Hey, this is Aaron Conley. I make uh, Saber Two Swordsman, and you're listening to Eleven O'clock Comics. <laughs> There you go. That's a nice one. Jesus Christ, 80th time's the charm. Nice and firm. <laughs> Play it where it lays, I guess. Aye. Yeah. I liked it. Act like you've been there before, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was pretty That's what we've been saying. Haven't heard it. <laughs> I have not. Yes. I was trapped in my mind, and it's not a nice place to be. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful mind. Not even. I'm so scared already. I don't know how we're already scared. Yeah. It goes up from here, man. <laughs> Drop the bomb. Guest doesn't wait for his intro. Jeez. Seriously. <laughs> like it's his first podcast or something. <laughs> I'm not just oh. killing characters, I'm killing intro. Oh, I fucked it up. Oh, I said fuck. Oh, oh fuck again. Damn it. Crazy people. And we are those crazy people you've been waiting for. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 564. And I am a very excited... Vince P. Oh, and the B stands for beautiful. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am Gotham Knights starting quarterback, at least for a few more games, Chris Campbell. Oh, how about that? I'm getting tired of seeing it. A little it, bit. It, a little yeah, bit. it doesn't belong in the Swamp Thing he book. Killed, but my man's a starting quarterback. It's yeah, all get it out of there. Yeah, but he's like... But he's he's the starting quarterback that they mock for being awful. So really? <laughs> no, you're not Chris Campbell. You are Jason Wood. And uh, yeah, we have a very special guest this week. He has been on before, but the lapse in appearances has been four years, three years? How many years? No. No, no. it can't be that long. Like no. two years. Two years. Well, it's been a while yeah. since you've heard this he man's was voice. He was already on his book, his big, yeah. his main book. We've talked about him a it. whole bunch of times. Um, I really don't need to say anything other than that B word, and that's Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. But he has many other accomplishments. <laughs> it's Scott Snyder. What's up, guys? <laughs> no. Mr. Miracle. And we want to... Get the scoop on the heroes in crisis, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things because Sheriff of Babylon, maybe who knows? Because it's Tom King, he did all that stuff. What's going on, guys? Wonderful to be back. I see you guys more often than I'm on the podcast. So that is true. Good. That is true. Um, we got to fix yeah. that. I don't know about that because every time we're at a con, you are never at your table, dude. That's, well, I'm avoiding you, but I see you from afar. Apparently, I try, yeah. you know, I have to go down to North Carolina to see you, and it's like, nah, nah, he's, he's out shopping with his family. All right, that's cool, whatever. You're in North Carolina? It, oh, oh, see? Homeboy didn't even give you, <laughs> didn't even leave you the backing board I, I, I wrote a note on for you. No, he did not. He did not. That's great. You, should, okay. you could text me. You could tweet at me. You could something so Absolutely. I could know right. you were there. Don't yeah. trust those guys. Well, I, I won't now. Right. Well, there Most is. Most importantly, which 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 friend are you are you which of the no apologies guys are you blessing with the uh, the DC party invite this year at New York Comic Con? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I thought that was I already like I, I thought like you already I, had a conclave for that. I think I can get more than one. I feel like I've risen in the ranks. Ooh. Oh, oh, nice. I I figured uh, since Daryl got to go last year, you it was like uh, Kaziki or, uh, or or Gil's turn. No, Kaziki <laughs> went last year. Daryl went. Oh. Last year. You oh, are a Campbell. very brave man for bringing Kaziki. 
Very he's brave. very he is very well behaved. He is a very well behaved guy. As really? a retailer, so he understands. Yeah, that's that. the thing. It's it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's his day job. I would think he'd have to be. Uh, so he is a, a retailer, but there's also a retailer out there that can get you your books, get them on time, and get them right to your door. <laughs> and that is that's a segue. <laughs> that's what we call it in the business: a segue. That is Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get all the books you want for a fraction of the price everybody else is paying, such as from Albatross Funny Books. It's a new miniseries written by the great Plastic Farm author Rafer Roberts. Works for Vertigo, too. Does a lot of stuff. And it's illustrated by somebody named Mike Norton. You're going to want to keep an eye on this. It's called Grumble, number one. Cover price $3.99, but not for you. You're paying $2.19. From Image, Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, Middle West, number one. I don't have to say anything else. Three ninety nine cover price, your price, $1.99. And last but certainly not least, a massive tome containing Savage Tales 1 to 5, Savage Sword of Conan 1 to 12, and the 1975 special. Yep, it's the Savage Sword of Conan hardcover original Marvel Years omnibus. It's as cumbersome as the title because it's thick as hell. $100 cover price, your price, 50 bucks. Boys pants half off. DCBService.com. Yeah, right. DCBService.com. Only one place to go. Just do it. You know this. Right. So, Tom, I know you raced here from your other engagements. Did you have a chance to grab a beverage before you sat down? I did. I grabbed a beverage, yes. That's one of the things I raced, too. I, I got um, – oh, Scott Snyder sent me as a congratulations for – I cannot remember what he was congratulating me for. Maybe there were so many accolades. <laughs> Couldn't be for a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, it might have been, I might have helped him on a metal thing or something. I don't know, but he sent me a single malt scotch in the mail, so I got it out. And uh, it's I don't know what it is. It's me, it's a Japanese name that I'm about to mispronounce horribly. Mia Jikyo. And uh, it's good, I got to say. Good Scott, nice. knows, Scott, Scott knows his whiskey, so I figured. Passing up the joint. Good time. Uh, good, yeah, right? Class, well, this is what happened. We just got a new fridge, uh, This is a, and, and, and so we have the no beer. beer. No beer. Our fridge broke. New fridge. No beer. So, so we ran to the cabinet. I was like, "What do I have that I can drink on this show?" To like look cool in front of these people. Would you do Sub Zero? Do you a, a Wolf? Would you do? What did I? Um, <laughs> I Magic hat. The wife. The wife bought the fridge. Not in chance. When it's because oh my actual fridge. Oh no, it's yeah. a fucking Kenmore from Sears. We had one oh. day to buy it. It's horrible. Yeah, no, dude, it was terrible. We, we went to, we went, you know, our thing broke. I got three kids and a dog. I don't have time to have no fridge for any time. And I'm always at a con every weekend. So we went to Sears and we're like, wow, we're going to buy the fancy fridge. We're going to get the fanciest, fanciest, holy shit thing. And then we're like, which ones will fit in our house? And they're like, these two, one of which mm. is available. So that was, I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> narrow down your choices anyway. Yeah, I'll take that fucking one. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, Vince, what are you drinking, my friend? I am in enemy territory tonight because I'm still drinking Yingling traditional lager. I got to finish the case and then I could buy something else. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, What about you, Jason? I am drinking some more of the Hop Stupid, which was so politely provided to me a few weeks ago as a gift when I talked about it. And uh, there are three bottles left. Of the six-pack, so I'm going to drink those, and I'm going to 
mix them back and forth with some uh, diet lemon Snapple. So you're not beer, gonna, beer actually, tea, beer tea. You mean you're going to alternate? You're not actually going to mix them? No, no, alternate. You know, just okay, all right. Keep from getting. You don't, you don't want to liquor down or water down that that hop stuff because that's good. No, 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 no. But I don't know about. Dave, uh, I will. Um, I'll. Well, Tom and I will be bookends. Um, the uh, hopefully short story. The the minion gifted me uh, for my birthday a bottle of something that I've never had before. He knows I'm not a Scotch guy, uh, and there is a. Um, a Facebook group, the Whiskey Tribe that I'm a part of, and they all, everybody in the group swears by this thing. It's almost like it's a rite of passage. You must have this. It's the best thing ever. Um, so I never had it. The Minion had it one night, loved it, and wanted to get me a bottle. So it is called Monkey Shoulder. It is a blended malt scotch whiskey. Um, and it does say smooth and rich, and I have to say that... Um, I would agree with that. I it's there's still a little bit of a scotch taste to it, but it doesn't have that um, peaty, mossy smell or aftertaste that most what they say good scotches usually throw at you. So, um, monkey shoulder, I I ain't mad at it. I, I I really didn't know what to expect, but thank you so much to the minion and. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers indeed. There you go. All so, right. So let's get the platitudes out of the way. What, what did I do wrong? I'm sorry. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, on the Eisners. Yes, the Eisners. I won half an Eisner. Well, hold on now. <laughs> we, we, full disclosure, we did try and get Marjorie on the show for this weekend, and she turned us down, which is why we reached out to you. <laughs> But, uh, we were only going to give her uh, half a chair, but she didn't want to say Yes, but you chair. are, you're, as I think the, the vast majority of our listeners know, you are the uh, co-winner of the Best Writer uh, Eisner, which is uh, pretty awesome. And uh, that is your third Eisner, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and so they claimed that it was a tie, that we got the exact same number of votes. So, of course, my immediate thought was, which of my friends forgot to vote for me and cost me an Eisner? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, we're not allowed to vote, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one I figured out already. Seth Mann, my inker on Heroes in Crisis, did not vote for me. So I'm pissed at that guy. Oh, Clay's brother? T- Clay's twin, identical twin brother. Yeah. So, and I'm off looking for the rest of them. Marjorie is a wonderful writer. It was an honor to, um, to win with her. So it was, it was, it was really cool, actually. Uh, but the one, the sad part was um, Uhura was giving out the award, and I'm a big Star Trek dude, Aww. and so I was like, "Oh my God, there's Uhura's up there!" And then they they announced uh, that it was a tie, and that we'd won. But of course, Mar- Marjorie goes up there, and she's and it's it's her first award of the night. She won like 52 other ones, and she is you know she's just like glowing and wonderful and giving this gorgeous speech, and Uhura is crying, and she's crying, and they give each other a hug. And I was like, oh, this is such an amazing moment. And her is like, well, I guess I'm done here. And she walks out like, no! So, also someone who is here and about to make a speech about stuff. But, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I missed I missed. Oh, man, that's rough. I know. By the way, for the record, you and Marjorie are tied for three Eisners each, so. 
Oh, we are tied for three. Times. Yeah, so I know you said she won a million of them, but she's won as many as you have. I've, I lost a lot to Hugo to Marjorie. I lose to Marjorie all the time. There you go. And she won the Hugo this year. She won her second Hugo. So maybe that's nice. I must admit, I don't pay attention to the Hugos. We don't ever talk about those. Maybe we should. Maybe you well, should. They, they only have one comic book award. Sort of like the Harpies now only have one comic book award. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta say that are... that Ahura story is one of the damn saddest stories I've ever heard. Right? I know. <laughs> it's, it's... He's all excited. I can't even hear him. messed up. The first time I lost in the world was, was similarly depressing. Uh, <laughs> I, me- I don't remember winning at all, but I remember the losing very specifically. I was up for a short story I had written, which was about it was called Black Death in America. It was for Vertigo, and it was a story about sort of a black World War One soldier and sort of the injustice he. Whatever, and John Lewis was presenting the award, and I was like, Sweet. "This is Kismet! Like, this is like an American hero, civil rights leader, you know." And he's presenting this award, and I did that's about sort of the civil rights. And I was like, "I can go up, and we'll have something to bond about, and then we'll be best friends. We'll get drinks together, you know." <laughs> and um, he lives in DC on Capitol. I live on Capitol Hill. We're gonna be BFF forever. And then like Adrian Tomine won. Not that I care. <laughs> and <laughs> like a mature, responsible adult. I walked out. <laughs> Alrighty then. We I said our... to the person next to me, I have to go to the bathroom and then I just never came back. So I handled Damn. it like I handled this it noise. like worse than my four year old. So well, I, I love your candor and, and I guess I was curious as to whether or not, because it seems always cliche when people talk about awards like so you you were you were rooting for yourself, like you you were legit were excited to win. Like it was something you were hoping for. In each I mean, case, it, it, it changes after the first Darwin Cook. Someone told me, I don't remember who told me this. It might have been Dave Johnson. Like after 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 someone won in a won in Eisner, Darwin leaned over and whispered in his ear, "You only need one." I think that's probably right about any award. That's like so. The first time you really want to win because it'll actually affect your career because you can be the Eisner winning writer or whatever. The rest I was more rooting for my artists and for my partners. Like I really wanted to win. I really wanted Fudd to win because Lee Weeks has never won one. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to kind of deliver an Eisner to Lee Weeks. This would be a right. highlight. And I wanted Miracle to win because I wanted Mitch to win one. Sure. So it would, then it wasn't so much about, yeah. So w- once you win one, you're cool. I mean, your career wise. That's, that's too, that's too uh, Andrew, but what the fuck? We're here. Right. You're spreading the love. You're a good guy. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I would. You know, I'm very, very curious about this Heroes in Crisis thing. It's out next week. Specifically the title. Look, it's a terrible title. Does the C word, was that um, mandated by the higher-ups, or did you choose to use the C word? Or does is the story, I guess what I'm asking is, is this a legit crisis, or is that just the word put in there to link it to everything else that's that's come out before it i mean i would say it's i mean it, it's similar to identity crisis without okay. having the the weight of that i mean that series comes with a lot of baggage um so, so I, I always hesitate to compare it to that but it's, it's it's in a similar vein of that i mean the idea is dc can't have a sort of world's colliding crisis for quite some time i think and they, the the reboots have sort of been done. Like we need to reboot, reboot. Um, and I didn't want to do anything where 
we were doing sort of the universe's ending because metal had just been the universe's ending and final crisis was the universe's ending. And I, I just felt like that wasn't stakes enough. It's kind of like, like, like I, like right now killing a Robin isn't that interesting because so many Robins have dead. I, I say that on a week I shot my wing in the head, but I was going to say, <laughs> but he's not dead because you know, the solicits have seen that he's not dead at least. Um, but like killing a Robin is not, that happens every Thursday for Batman. Like, like the, the, every, every Thursday, the DC universe is about to collapse. So I didn't want to do the stakes didn't seem high just because they would be cliche, but I want to do something that would affect the entire DCU and leave like a lasting imprint the way all the, the way, you know, infinite crisis did and the way, um, and the way identity crisis, identity crisis. right. There we go. But yeah. in the, in the spirit of, but with less rate crisis, that, yeah. yeah, it does permeate the entire DC universe. Yeah. So it permeates the entire DC universe and the, the effects will be, I mean, I, I think the effects will depend on how well I write it. If it's good, I think it'll have long-term effects. If it's shitty, people will ignore it. Okay, so now we know we we we've heard based on past events like the Marvel summits when when they came out with uh, Civil War or Secret Invasion, anything like that. When you have an event that spirals out or ripples into other titles, um, did you? So you you have the plan for this for Heroes in Crisis. Um, Obviously, it's not going to be a standalone thing, but were there not necessarily a summit, but were emails exchanged so writers on other books featuring those heroes are aware of things that might be happening in your limited series? Yeah, so the way this sort of work was Dan DiDio, who's the publisher of DC Comics and sort of acts as the editor-in-chief as well. Uh, he, he came to me and he said, I want you to do some big event thing, whatever you want to do. So that, that was like his only mandate. And I was like, and I said the same speech I just gave you two seconds ago, where I was like, I don't want to do a big crossover thing. Bob. And, um, and so he's like, okay. And then I, I came up with what the idea of what heroes in crisis is, which is sort of this sanctuary idea where there's mass murder. And I, and I told him, I was like, okay, here's the general plot. You give me the characters that are involved. And of course that that's how it will affect other books, the characters that are involved in the books. And, who lives, who dies, who's the main, who's, because th- that, that way, if I put it in the hands of the publisher, then it's sort of his fault. And then I have much more, f- I have much more flexibility. Right. So like, if, if I go to him and be like, I need to use, um, Superman, Adam strange and the creeper. And he'll be like, Oh, okay. But the creepers in this other book. And you, 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 you can't do this. And the, oh, super Superman needs to be in this way. But if I'm like, you give me the three I need. And he's, and he's like, you give creeper, Superman and Adam strange. And I could be like, well, you gave them to me so I can fuck them up. Uh, so that, so that, that's the way I approached it. And so then he gave me the, the sort of the main characters and who would live and who would die and all that stuff. And, you know, I went through the list and said, okay, this, this works. This doesn't work. And, uh, and then see, he sort of he sort of took responsibility of like okay how does this how does this impact other books how does this impact this book and and he reached out to all those creators and he did all that organization along with my editor Jamie Rich and then at the summit we had a summit two months ago I think and I presented the whole thing so people would know sort of what's going on in the books and and then just the general sort of outline of it it's always crazy at these summits because they leak to bleeding cool so you never know how, exactly how much to say uh, I mean. All, all, you know, all uh, Rich Johnson. He can the fact that he can get inside a random meeting in Burbank is very impressive to me. Uh-huh. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I explained sort of what was going on, and, and then people decide whether they want to tie in or not. I, I, I'm of the opinion. I, I, I try to make this my philosophy in comics. I don't tell other people what to write. 
and so and hopefully they won't tell me what to write. Sure. And okay. and uh, so I would never be like, okay, you guys, okay, I need your book to do this and your book to do that, and and we're gonna do this, so your book will look like that, and your book looks like that. Like that's just not how I want to run my life. It's just too much stress, and I don't have. T- I'm writing so many books, I don't have time to edit other people's books. It's a selfish thing on, on top of being. I think it makes shitty comics when people tell you what to write. Mm-hmm. So, so I just I was like, here's your opportunities. If you want to tie in, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. This is how it's going to. These are the characters it's going to impact. These characters weren't chosen by me; they're chosen by the publisher. So you guys can't, you know, whine at me. And uh, and that's how it went. And it seemed to go over well in the room. People liked it, so it was easy. Did, did you, you know, hearing you tell the story, it's 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 it probably just seems like the natural progression for you. But I'm sitting here hearing what you're saying, thinking. Wow, like you, you're basically at the point now where you're you're being asked by the head of DC to basically give him carte blanche, and you're and you're like, nah, I'm good. I don't really want to. Uh, uh, maybe if I have something I want to do, um, you know, like, have you thought of it in that context? Like that, essentially, he said, okay, it's it's you, you do whatever you want to do, uh, whatever you think is the the big thing you want to do. I mean, that that's a that's a, a pretty incre- incredible. Um, uh, show of confidence from your boss. Yeah, it's like a super honor. So, I mean, I don't want to, I feel like talking about it, I'm going to jinx it almost, you know? I don't know. Well, it does like, come I, out next next Wednesday, so. Yeah, but no, but talking about the honor of like, the oh, boss sure, sure. saying that to you, like, it's like, I don't know, I feel like I got to knock on wood or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm super lucky enough that, that Batman was a, was a nice success and Mr. Miracle was a nice success, so um, so I have a bit of a track record, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, now, now, how much of it's in the can? I mean, have you written the entire thing already? No, it's about half done. It's mm-hmm. about half done, uh, and it's part, and it's, you know, quarter to a third drawn or so. And uh, by the yeah. Man Brothers, by the Man Brothers, and uh, and other. And, and Lee Weeks is also coming on it. I've, I haven't said that anywhere else. So it's, 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 oh, it's breaking news. Breaking Excellent. news, yeah. Um, yeah, this is going to be a lot of the art. A lot of the artists I already work with are going to work on this. Clay is going to be on the main sort of part of it. The way that there's going to be a main story, and then there's going to be sort of issues that are flashbacks. Kind of if you've read War of Jokes and Riddles, similar to that, the Kite Man okay. issues. Except instead of Clay being on the backups, which he was in Jokes and Riddles, he's going to be on the main story. Clay's art on this is beyond. It's the it's probably the I mean Lee Weeks is like a god in comics, so it's hard to say this, but it might be the prettiest book I've ever worked on. Um, just in terms of the art. I don't know I don't know what Clay's like another level of it's like it's opening it up, I felt like I was looking at X-Men number one, like that that same sort of whole like just another does it make sense? Like how did someone create this with a pencil and paper? It's it, like you can't comprehend it. <laughs> He is a beast. I can't wait to see the pages. Oh, they're beautiful. Did you lay claim to any already? He Clay, who is one of my best friends in the whole world, is uh, he's very cagey about his art. He hates it. He hates every page he draws. He'll tell you this. So he like he'd be like, I want that page, and he'll be like, No, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. I can't sell it. So you you deserve better. <laughs> and he'd be like, I know what I deserve. Give me the damn page. Right. Um, so he's holding on to he's holding on to some of them, but yeah, there's there's some pages. I, I really I really want that cover of, of, of number one with everybody on it. I'm trying to get him to sell that to me. Nice. Do do you get nervous? I mean, do, are you nervous about next week, or or is it past that point now for you? No, I'm not nervous. I mean, 
I mean, Heroes of Crisis is, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal and a big event, but it's not as big a deal as the wedding was. I was well, just going to ask. Because, I mean, <laughs> oh, I we'll get to with, that. With, we'll all the, that. <laughs> with everything that came with that, yeah, yeah. I, I, this would yeah. be a cakewalk. Or Batman One was was huge, also. So mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've you know I was I mean this year I've been on, I've had the the fortune I was I was on Action One Thousand, which sold five hundred thousand copies or six hundred thousand copies, and I was on, uh, what DC Nation Zero sold a million copies. Yeah, and, I mean, it was twenty five cents, but that's still you don't still. see a, you don't see a million often when they're like how many? You doing the Walmart comic? And the Walmart comics sold well, and uh, and the, the wedding sold, you know, five hundred thousand or so. So uh, this is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm nervous if people are going to like it or not, but I think it's good. That's 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 my one thing. I'm always nervous though. That's that's how I was raised. I'm just there's just levels of nerves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I was and, nervous this week about that Nightwing twist. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although, like you said, though, I think. We're so. I, by the way, I hadn't seen the solicitor. I guess if I had, I hadn't noticed um, that he that he wasn't dead. But uh, but I have to admit that uh, given the nature of the importance of the character and its comics, there wasn't a second that I thought he actually was dead. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's just the nature of superhero comics. No, like I said, kill, I, I was against killing Tim back in the day. I thought it was too soon to kill Tim. I remember it was me in a room with I don't know it was, it was Steve and James and Scott and our editor and. And, and like I, I thought I had worked the room beforehand, so we were all going to come out against killing Tim. And I got in the room, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we're going to kill Tim." I was like, "What? what? You betrayed me!" <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I, I'm against killing Robbins. I just think it's been done so much. Okay, so as far as the Bat books go, um, yes, when, when you, the way you approach now, now you, obviously, Dick is sacred, right? Are there is. are there any? Aspects of the Batman universe that you would refuse to touch, whether you whether you have an emotional attachment to them or you know it's just going to cause a massive fallout, like something that obviously the Tim or the the Dick thing could be undone and it will be undone. But have you ever thought about doing something drastic and just like pulled back, like nah, that 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 won't go, that won't fly? But it made sense to you at the time. Ah, uh, yeah, something that I planned something and, and I just couldn't get it, couldn't pull it off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had stuff with like a like a, a minor character I wanted. I was like, man, it'd be cool if I could put this kid in the like in the Batman cowl, you know, put someone sort of different in in, in the Batman. Um, I really wanted to do something, put an African American dude in, in the Batman cowl. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I don't know if. Uh, I also know if, if people are ready for Bruce not to be the Batman. I remember I pulled back from that a little bit. Uh, Interesting. That's why I, um, I introduced that character, Gentleman. I had sort of that idea, um, but I, yeah, but I, I pulled back just because I thought I thought Bruce had to be sort of the center of the run. I didn't want to take him out of the cowl at any point. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the. Um, I mean, you didn't. It was obvious, but you didn't hit hit us over the head with it or make a big deal that while. Bruce was obviously in jury duty that Dick was wearing the cowl. And, and whereas I think other writers would have probably made a big deal about that and kind of focus on passing the cowl over and almost making the Bruce's activities secondary when it was, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a Batman. So it was an issue. It was a story that, that Bruce, 
Bruce needed, we needed, but 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 Bruce needed, but um, Batman was pretty much Batman was obviously a part of it, but um, any of the present day scenes, we we knew who it was, and it was it they weren't overdone where it just it's because as we've seen with 54 with Wagner, thank you. And, and this week's 55 Dick has a bit of a, he, he's still pretty much in, in my mind, DC's Spider-Man with the constant chattiness. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, uh, I mean, and, and, and the moves, but yeah, it's so I, the, the, Cold Days was a really nice, um, and I felt it was also a. It was necessary. It was. It was. I I appreciated the post wedding in air quotes. I I, I think that uh, I know I needed it. So I just I, I I think the the way the story has been going that you've been telling with with this character, I think has is. But just real organic and natural progression and, and nothing has felt um forced or shoehorned or or we're we're smart enough to to connect the dots so i i i appreciate that so thank you yeah well hey, I mean, thanks. the the if there's one word i can apply to tom's batman run it's there's it's it's novel he uses characters and in situations and the the bat universe in ways that we haven't seen before so the fact that they he didn't really hammer the idea that dick is in the costume home is that we've seen that before it's no big thing it's like that's just dick putting on another costume right if there's if there's a costume dick can other than nightwing that he can effortlessly segue into it's the bad costume he's done it before and even and even gordon knows i mean at this point gordon's like okay so it's it's (laughs) <laughs> it's the sidekick. It, it's all good. You know, listen, the job's still going to get done. I'm not going to get, I mean, the dude's still going to disappear while I'm in mid sentence when I turn around, but I know that, you know, I'm not. So it's, I, everybody kind of just slides in real nicely. Yeah. I agree. There's, there's nothing new with, I mean, it's Dick being Batman's always fun, but it's happened twice now, or maybe three times. And there, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of new beats there. Like I feel like, you know, Morrison quietly covered that as perfectly as you could cover it. So, and, and and it's one of those things where the audience knows what's happening. Like the audience knows what it's like when Dick's Batman, so you can kind of leave it off panel and let their imagination take it from there. Yep. Mm. So, so let's. You, you mentioned it briefly the 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 wedding. It, it definitely. There's a lot of things about that wedding issue that that I think uh, are are worth discussing. Some good and, and unfortunately some not so good. I, I think uh, I'm ready to go. No, I mean in terms of of the feedback, right? So, so uh, again, this is a 101 issue uh, run, if I'm not mistaken, right? Three. 103. 103. Okay, you've had, wow. I think you've had it too much. So, so issue 50 is roughly halfway there. Um, you've, you've needless to say meticulously planned it so far. You know we've been big fans. Uh, the, the wedding issue comes along. Uh, spoilers to any of you that haven't been listening to the show or read the book, but the the, the wedding doesn't happen. Selena bounces, and um, and and on one hand, I, I you wrote it, so you knew there'd be a reaction. Um, I, I guess the question is, in retrospect, now that we're five, four, three, four months past it, um, did you expect a reaction? Did you 
did you were you surprised by the magnitude of the reaction uh and um you know did, how how did it affect you now that it's you've had some time between what happened and, and now i mean now that you have a little space between you and it i was not surprised by the reaction once people read the book what there was so, so the way that went down was the book was coming out on wednesday the new york times not just spoiled the um spoiled the issue in a headline where they put in the headline of the article right, right. and not only did they spoil the issue in the headline they did a push notification to all to their 10 million whatever subscribers on their phone so literally your phone popped up with a notification like you so if you looked at your phone it came up on your lock screen batman and catwoman don't get married <laughs> as, as if like trump impeached you know that's like that, that was, <laughs> like like so um the, the 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 point of the issue the the, the the my goal as a as a writer um is is to put you in batman's head i, I want you to be there when you he pulls on that cowl. I want you to sort of feel the leather on your face. And that's what I have to do. You know, writing is an empathy machine. I want you to sort of fall into my stories and not see the lines and the panels, but to think you're there and that you're punching the Joker. And so I made it so that everyone thought Batman was getting married because Batman thought he was getting married. Mm -hmm. Because there was no doubt in his mind that he was getting married, so I didn't want any doubt in your mind. And so I didn't want... Just as he wasn't going to see it, you weren't going to see it. So I knew that that there would be pain because you would be experiencing the pain that Batman experiences, and that's sort of part of literature, sort of experiencing that pain. And uh, so, so that that part of it was expected. But as a solve to that, or as as it, as to make the wound better, the actual issue itself was written as a love letter to the Bat Batwoman Cat relationship. And a, a love letter to all of comic or to all of Batman comics, and then I got you know Frank is Frank Miller's return to the book after thirty years. It was you know um, Garcia Lopez's return. It was Becky Cloonan's return. It was um, Capullo's return. And by the way, how massive is all this, right? I mean, you must have been giddy yeah. with excitement knowing all this was happening. Dude, when you get a page in from Frank Miller and they're like, "Tom, put your <laughs> words on this," that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Don't ever invite us to stay at your house, by the way, because Vince will be all up in that Hell yeah. in two seconds. <laughs> and you're and you're just and, and you know and you know Jim Lee's like, hey Tom, what do you want me to draw? Because I'll, I'll send you that page for free. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, so like, yeah. So so the whole thing. And if you if you if you read the actual issue, it's all about how they love each other so much. And, but they just can't be together for a specific reason, but they still could be together in the future. And you can tell that there's love in the issue for the characters and love for the relationship and and hope for the future. That's in the issue. But what? But people didn't get that in their fucking push notification. <laughs> what, what they got was Batman Cat will not be married. This is all a big scam. Blah, blah, blah. So then, that's when like the true anger and vitriol poured out rather than sort of the... Uh, the natural regret and anger that comes with being inside a story. So between that that Saturday or Sunday when that was released and the Wednesday when it came out, I was surprised by the level of anger. That's when like you got the death threats and all that stuff. Um, also, I had just been um, uh, the comic skate guys had just gotten really mad at me. So it kind of oh, pig yeah. it had it, it piggybacked up on top of that. 
And so it kind of was an opening for, so it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was there was a separate crowd of people that was looking for a reason to attack me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so, which, yeah. So, and needless to say, you know, much was made of the, uh, the bodyguards at San Diego and, and all that sort of thing. I, I, but, but now that you're two or three months past, I mean, have things normalized and, and kind of back to, back to normal or you're not still feeling the effects of that from a, fandom standpoint right no i mean that i mean i tried to make a joke out of that thing at san diego i mean that i mean what that was was like i have i have an agent who handles my signings um who you if you come to my table that's like you know the guy that'll yell at you for not being in line or whatever and and, uh and he assigned me a bodyguard it was this guy david who's the who does his you know he he would um usually does stan lee's stuff and he just you know doesn't stand and i was like i don't need this guy i'm fine you know these are just the threats were like you know I hope you f and die, and you know, go f and kill yourself. It wasn't like I know where you know I'm. I'm in Washington D.C. It's in your house. Right. And there was a, like one guy sent me a picture of a gun and said, "See you soon." Like that was as bad as it got. Um, so, uh, and and most of it was like very homophobic. It was a lot of it was weird, but uh, they're pretty in like between ten and twenty. Not it was not that. So I was like, this is not real. These are just people who are angry. Uh, but my guy was like, as long as you're here and you're making me money, I'm getting a new bodyguard. So he just would, and it was, and I, you guys know me, I like to wander cons and buy shit. And when I nerd, I like to nerd sort of alone, like having someone look over my shoulder while I'm nerding, I always feel uncomfortable. <laughs> right. So, uh, so to me, it was sort of weird because everywhere I was moving to like, just go look at some pages or go look at some back issue. There was like a big dude looking over my shoulder. I'd be like, are you cool? Just sitting here. He's like, yeah, that's my job. So then I just made a joke out of it. Um, <laughs> used to just took him on a meandering goose chase. So we took him on a meandering. Yeah, look over there and run away. Uh, can we lose David? And, and you know, if you know David, he's like he's like six five, he's massive. He's a, he's a brick house, and um, but like a very sweet sort of teddy bearish guy. So yeah, yeah so that, that that's how that went down. It I mean, you, you you seem very not like not nonchalant, but you seem very uh, chill about the whole thing, and obviously um, the. the I, I'm not the first person to make this point. Many people in in your defense made this point that, especially with the Comics Gate guys, how ridiculous some of the the pejoratives were. Since you know you obviously were in the CIA and were in a combat zone, and so this idea of you being a you know whatever it was terms that they were implying that you were some kind of you know soft guy with the you know whatever. I would at least soft. That's who. I yeah, am. yeah. Um, but but it 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 is still frustrating. Um, and, and you know we want to celebrate. You're on to celebrate stuff. But but it is frustrating. We've voiced this on the show before. It is frustrating that we're at a point in comics when it. Um, I guess on one hand, comic dumb or comic characters have never been bigger in terms of pop culture. But but the comic book scene. I mean, the scene that we thrive on, that we've come up in, that we live in, that you know the cons and the the podcasts and the Wednesday comics. I mean, that's still a, a niche, you know, very tight knit group of people that share a bond that is in many cases decades old. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating to me that, that this kind of thing exists. And I do feel like it's been exacerbated by the internet and the immediacy and the, and the ease of social media. And uh, it's just kind of disgusting that, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that part of, of, of this that you just have to deal with. And regardless of your level of celebrity, right. To whatever extent you would be classified as a celebrity, at least in this world, it's, it, it, it's kind of, no, I mean, it's shitty though. Like it's shitty. Like I know you're, you're took it in stride and that's great, but it, it's, it's still, it's still tough. And, and, um, you know, suffice to say lots of other creators, 
either are unable or unwilling to take it in stride as much, particularly let's be honest, like some of the female creators and some of the horrible things that are said to them. Um, so it's just, it's just shitty that, 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 that seemingly is deemed as okay fandom to a lot of people. Now I, I, I guess that, that, that emotional reaction was always there, but maybe it was more shielded because they'd write a letter to the editor and it wouldn't get hit and it wouldn't get published. I don't know. Um, so. I mean, you always have to keep it in perspective. The one is just like you said. Like I went to dinner in San Diego with Joelle Jones, who was doing Catwoman now, and you know I, I probably gave her the same speeches now. Or like this is totally unserious, and she, and she she started laughing, and then she showed me her feed, and it was like ten times worse than mine. And she wasn't <laughs> even involved. It was just because she was her book came out the same exact day, and it was she got so many dick pics. Like mm. was, I was like, oh my god. And uh, so, but she's sort of, you know, she, she's a very um, tough and chill woman and she handles it how she handles it. And so, yeah, I like how, as bad as I had it, if, if I, there are people who have it much, much, much worse. So I was, you know, you got to keep perspective. Mm-hmm. wonder, though, what kind of a person would threaten, even in jest or feigningly threaten the life of another person because of something they wrote in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Where, what kind of, a, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get, Jason, you're a jerk. I just saw the feed. I mean, what kind of maladjusted person does that have to be? It's just weird. And when, when you said about the dick pics, Jason texted me, he said that was one of mine, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't have a, a macro lens, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. it just boggles the mind. But I'm glad yeah. you weathered that storm successfully, and, and nothing happened because we yeah. would miss we would miss you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I I think in the current political divide, there's just so much anger. There's just yeah. so so yeah. much anger. We have a a, a press. I mean, I don't even if you're from the other side, you must acknowledge that he just likes to stir up anger. Like he likes to get people mad. Yeah. Um, and 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 we spend so much of our days being mad. I don't remember. This being a, I don't know, my childhood or any other time where just like I look at my phone and I get angry so many times a day. And yeah. everyone seems to sort yeah. of get through that. And I feel all those emotions have to go somewhere. And because we can't change Washington, we're like, oh, I want to change comics. You know, I want to, you just want to. So I, I just think you know, we're just living a little, little angrier times right now. We need to somehow right. get through that. I, I think that's a carefully crafted environment. I don't think it's it's chance or, or, or random. I think it was designed that way. I think that anger is being generated for a reason what reason Mm -hmm. i don't know but um every president before him has had a a slew of advisors and and they they maintain everything from his image to what comes out of his mouth to this guy just can't be winging it on his own he's not smart enough yeah so i will say that um to your point a few minutes back about the intent of the issue of number 50 it worked like a charm, man. Because I don't know if you listened to our episode when we talked about it, but you got me. You got me right. You got the exact reaction you were hoping for from me. Like uh, I, I was spoiled, like everybody else, and I thought, "Get the fuck out, really?" There, she's, he's he's not getting married. That's that's bullshit. And then I read the issue, and we talked about it. And these guys were much more even keel about it. They, I think they they saw it for what it was right right away. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Yeah, dude, still was salty. Yeah, it still feels like. You know, a little bit of false advertising here, but then I reread it and I stewed on it, and then I was like, "This motherfucker!" I'm like, "This was brilliant." I'm like, "He, he." I'm like, because the 
and you, I mean, obviously wrote it. So, but, but I, I, it was almost like a, a, the, uh, the phases of, of, of grief, you know? And then I realized like, that's the whole point. We're supposed to feel this way because that's how the bat's feeling right now. Like that's the point. And, uh, so to that, I tip, tip my cap to you because it had that exact effect. Well, I think people who thought it was false advertising have a good claim on it. I mean, if I had to rephrase the marketing, I would have made it more, will they get married instead of they're getting married? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I presume in, you have very little to do with that, right? I am not in charge of the marketing of DC Comics. I don't, I don't decide who, how many tie-ins or whatever. Uh, I mean, if you go back, you'll not see me pushing a lot of those tie-ins, which were written by Tim Seeley, another one of my best friends in comics, and we're very good. But... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the, I write a comic a day and my focus is always on the script. I'm not going to focus on the marketing. I'm not sure. going to focus on all sure. that stuff. And uh, sometimes those guys get it wrong. Like letting the New York Times leak it was a, was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think pe- people who said it was false advertising, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. It was sure. false But I think that the, the it's Kaiser Soze aspects of it, though, that I think, and, and honestly, the first time I read the issue, because I was so focused on the fact that the marriage wasn't happening. I very much was reacting viscerally to the surface level plot, but then going back and reading it in the, at the at the uh, at the behest of Dap and Vince and, and many of our EOC community, going back and reading it without that with that with that emotional impact already having been dealt with, I realized just how intricately you've been laying all of these hints. Because, you know, even with the, like the booster arc, Dap and I both, you know, said that for us, that was the, the arc that seemed a little bit non sequitur, uh, you know, throughout, <laughs> throughout your run. Yeah. And then lo and behold, like it wasn't. And, and that, that, so again, I tip my cap to you because even in spots where uh, diligent readers of the book missed, missed some of the hints, you know, they, they were, they, but they were there, but we just didn't necessarily see them. Until after the fact, and that's uh, that, that's that's special stuff. Uh, that was one of those things where I wrote it. I was like, everyone's going to see the wedding is not going to happen. After I'm, I'm writing a whole arc where I show that if Batman's not, not happy, he's not Batman. They're going to get this. They're going to they're going to see right through my little shield. And no one saw it. I was like, oh, phew. But then I was like, oh, maybe I should have seen it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. And that boost arc was nice because it also dovetailed into Heroes in Crisis because it sort of accomplished two things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was the point of the boost arc was to show a world where Batman achieves happiness, and because he's happy, he doesn't become Batman anymore. Um, I mean, the, the, the whole idea was, like, you're not Batman, right? I'm not Batman. Vince isn't Batman. The reason we're not Batman is because there are things in our lives we care about more than the war on crime. Like, we, we would like to go out and, and, and solve and, and be justice and do that, but we, we have second thoughts, like, oh, I could get arrested, I could take away from my family, and I love my family more than I love warring on crime. Um, or I could get hurt, holy shit, I like, I like not being broken more than I like warring on crime. Oh, I would look fucking ridiculous in a bat suit jumping off a building. <laughs> I like not looking ridiculous more than I like, I, I like my self-image. The, the reason Batman can do what he does is because he likes nothing more. There's no other object in the whole world that he puts above the war on crime above that one vow, which is what I am suicide. That whole arc was about that. He just sort of, there is no life for me. I have no life. I'm killing myself and I'm becoming this vow. And what Catwoman was, is he, she gave him a life and she said, you can, and, and for a moment he started to think I'm going to put something above. And she saw this more than he did. That, that, that he said, I'm going to put something above Batman. I'm going to put my love for this woman, for Catwoman. And she thought 
that that would hurt him because she'd been through the booster and she'd been through Joker. And, and that's why she made the decision. Now she might be wrong and she was clearly being manipulated by the bad guy of the series. So I'm not saying that's what will actually happen, but that's the ideas behind it. Mm -hmm. And and with, with 103 issues and and being roughly halfway through, um, I'm not at all asking you to, to spoil anything that's to come, but um, no, no, no. But, but, but as a writer who, who's a comic nerd, right. I mean, you didn't sort of, roll into comics you you get the idea of comics and the, and the structure and and the pains and throws that fandom brings with it um i don't know if it's have, possible to roll into comics the older i get i think you have to sort of have i don't a know long, there's, long there's been writers though like Meltzer and stuff i mean Meltzer wasn't much of a comic nerd right when he when he, oh, he was, no he was he yeah he was uh, no, oh, Meltzer's it? like a super nerd. I've talked about yeah. Okay, because, so, yeah, I mean, that, maybe, maybe it's went, not possible. I mean, he wrote, he wrote uh, Archer's Quest. I mean, yeah, okay, he's... yeah. Well, well, that's not the, 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 the crux of the question, though, is this. So with 103, um, generally it seems that, that because these are super important licensed characters, that no matter what you get to do for however long they give you on a run, it's understood, whether it's Tom King or Bendis or Jeff Johns or Scott Snyder, you got to put all the pieces back into the box on the board for the next person. So when you're taking what's going to be a, a long auspicious run, I mean, a hundred plus issues is freaking long for, especially for a big character like this. Do you give any thought to, um, the time you need to, uh, or the impact that's going to have of putting everything back in place? Or do you take the stance of, I got 103 issues to tell my story However, they get from point A to point B to get them back to center for the next guy. That's up to them after I leave. I mean, it's it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, the big DC superheroes can evolve. I mean, it took what fifty years for Superman to get married, and then another twenty five years for him to have a kid. Mm-hmm. So, so it does happen. So there there are opportunities. Like it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that huge changes could happen to Batman, and that they'll stick around for, for a while. Uh, so and then and, and of course I've proposed all these you know whatever I want to do to the publisher and the publisher approves them or doesn't mm-hmm. and sure. then, I don't know the characters, uh, but I do think with Batman is the most written about fictional character in the history of time. There are more. This Mark Wade told me this. There are more stories about Batman than there are about Sherlock Holmes or Tarzan or. Even, like, you could argue there's more stories about him. than He's not bigger than Jesus. It's not a John Lennon moment. But there might be more stories written about him than there are Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not that Jesus is a fictional character. That's up to you all. Or, you're, you know, whatever. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> you get it. Uh, so there's more. And, and so Batman is sort of a, who Batman is, the, the core of that character. There's something special about that that appeals to a huge audience and 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 to me and I don't want to fuck with that. Like I have no desire to take any of that part of Batman away from him. So I can't get away from that core part of Batman. Now that can be stretched and, and, and molded in different ways, but in the end I don't I have no I, I have no desire to change Batman because Batman's a perfect character as he is on fu- some fundamental level. So with those so sort of those two things. Characters can evolve as long as they don't lose that sort of fundamental attachment that bonds them to the audience like i would never ever like bring back batman's parents and suddenly he's like oh man i don't mind that they died you know like that would that wouldn't be a plus for the story right you want to show thomas wayne 
having an affair. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so <laughs> we're not going to become this no, no. another Batman book on the stand. Um, but yes, exactly. <laughs> so so now now is is the is the hundred and three stories, hundred three issues. Is that is that hard and fast, or if if come issue eighty eight or so, you and DC are like, you know what, I still have some more stories to tell, or I I, I know you know you want to always you want to end on a high note, you want to leave them wanting more, but I don't. I don't really. I'm not looking forward to the day where you know issue 98 comes out, and I'm like, well, you know, we're in. We're we're. This is just about it. Like, is is so? If you still have an itch to tell more stories, or is this was this your outline? And DC was like, yeah, no, that that's cool. That that's when it's ending, and then we'll obviously not 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 to spoil too much or, or give anything away. But I just I I know Jason mentions it often that 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 where you're you're heading towards but um i just didn't know if that was actually this is it this is my last issue and i'm done i mean look i'm gonna i'm gonna unretire as soon as i retire you know so i'm sure i'll i'll regret saying all these words but yeah as far as i know 103 is i'm gonna that's two years for it's less than two years now it's like a year and three quarters um a little less than two years that'll be my end of Bad. It's 103 because I wanted to do 100 issues by myself, and three of the issues I've done so far work with co-writers. There's two with Steve Orlando, one with Josh Williamson. So it's 103 to make up for those three issues that I did like myself. Okay. And uh, and the basic idea is issue 100 will be will be the end of this this sort of big huge story that you write, and it'll be drawn by Mikkel, who drew the first one with me, and drew and drew 50, and we'll draw the last one, and uh, and then the last three issues will sort of be coda issues. And I was said before, but 103 was going to be, I have it in my head, I knew the artist, it's going to be Batman and Kite Man in a bar getting drunk and talking. <laughs> uh, a, a tribute to the old Thing, man, a thing Sandman 2-in-1, which probably you, you, only you guys would get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so I, as, as far as I know, that's the hard cutoff for me. Now, that said, like, I talked to, you know, like, I see Jimmy Pomiati at a con, he's like, you're not leaving 103. As soon as you see the, the check when you're off Batman, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, Jimmy, I'm leaving. Uh, but so, we'll see. Like I said, I could change it, but right, right now, that's that's sort of my plan. Yeah, I think I'm going to change. In two years, I'm going to switch. And again, I'm gonna, I'm lying to your face right now. I'm gonna, everything I'm saying is a lie because I'll change my mind. But two years, I think I'm going to redo how I do comics a little bit, okay. and uh, and maybe do more of the uh, Brian K. Vaughn or, or Ed Brubaker model, where I sort of Take take do, don't do so many comics for the year okay. as I'm doing now and, and just I'm I still want to do comics for the rest of my life, uh, but maybe just just back off. I have this TV stuff bubbling up at some point. I have yeah, it's writing and then maybe that's all bullshit and we'll all fall away like all TV stuff. But maybe it becomes something. So who knows? Well, what can you tell us about that? I mean, it was announced that uh, uh, we talked about it when it was announced uh, and gave you the shout out. But but um, what's the experience been like? I mean, how much how much of your monthly schedule is that taking up at present so far none so i write i write it i mean no no that's not true so i'm doing two one sec my dog is scratching at the door talk amongst yourselves for half a second come on in sweet she can't be without maybe too long this is roxy she's internet famous like david black oh yeah uh uh you so i'm doing i'm doing basically two or two and a half TV projects right now, uh, which are various phases. The one that's been announced isn't hasn't moved that far. It's moved far enough that I have to write a pilot for it. 
So I haven't done that yet, but I have, I'm going to do that in the next few months. So we'll see how that goes. See if I enjoy it. Um, I love comics. I love writing comics. So far, I haven't really loved writing TV. It's not super exciting to me. Um, basically, because when you write comics, you I, I, I write comics. I have an idea. I write this script. My editor looks at it. He says yes. Three months later, you guys are reading it. It's like instantaneous, and it's wonderful. It's, it's like you're communicating directly with your audience, and you're making beautiful art that's read by 100,000 people. You do TV. You write something. You know, 52 people in a committee room try to take it apart, put it back together, and then maybe it comes out five years from now looking like nothing you've ever looked at, you know? Right. So, I don't, I don't know if that's worth it or fun, so I'll find out. But yeah. So I'm doing so I'm doing that one TV thing, and then I'm doing another TV thing, which is much farther along in the process. Um, and I keep thinking it's going to die because all TV things die. And so if that moves forward, that's going to affect everything and sort of blow up my schedule. But that's we'll still in stealth mode? That hasn't been announced? No, still in stealth one hasn't been announced. Yeah. Okay. The, the second one. The, 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 the one that hasn't been announced is called the States of America. And the second one hasn't been announced. So, so, but, but there's, but there's, needless to say, there's, there's remuneration during this process, right? Like it's, they have to make it at least reasonably financially viable for you to go through the motions, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the problem is that I make, I'm blessed to make good money in comics. So so I'm not so tempted to move over as some might be. And so it has to to be decent money. Um, Right. That's too much information. You guys don't need. Who cares about what's funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, you <yeah>. have. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, man, let's talk, Mister Miracle. We got one issue to go. Issue one issue came, left. I read issue, that. Issue eleven came out uh, this Wednesday, right? It was this week, right? Yeah, it was. Yes. So it was yesterday, actually. It's got. It seems like a long time ago. Um, first <laughs> of all, hat tip to you. It's been fucking great, and Mitch has been. He was very deserving of the award. He's been fantastic. Mitch was very upset this morning because he had put Mr. Miracle Schlong in an earlier issue and it got taken out. Really? Yes. And so we could have oh. been the bell of the ball. That's because you, that. you, you guys aren't doing, uh, it's not a black label book. Ah, that's our problem. Yeah. Being in continuity has its problem. Although the, from what I read today, the, they're, they're, they are removing the, the, the dong from, yeah, future, from future printings. Things, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. And, and I believe the digital, uh, so the comicsology version, um, but but back to Mister Miracle. So we we are one issue left. Uh, you know, we I guess probably in the consensus have been huge fans of the book. So hats tip to you. But uh, I must say, it it is. Um, you, you know, you made reference when we were talking about Batman about the the the, the difficult choice uh, that sometimes has to be made, and and it seems as though. Um, I'm fascinated with the way that you have treated the choice facing Scott and Barda with relation to ending the war. Um, and the way you treated the decision up until the decision was ultimately made, which we found out, you know, in the last issue and a half, but, but, um, but I have to wonder, um, when you were first coming up with the idea for Mr. Miracle, did you, did you know he was which which way he was? They were going to choose. Like, did, like was that part of it from the start, or did that kind of journey happen more organically as a parent and thinking, well, that would be a tough choice if I had to make it. I mean, I think it's all. I mean, all comics become personal on some level. I feel like my I'm of that generation. I'm of the like the divorced parents 
Dad, sure. da- dads finding finding themselves in in their middle age, sort of in the eighties kind of parents. Mm-hmm. Latchkey like, kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Latchkey kid. All our all our dads were driving cars and had ponytails and hanging out with twenty year olds. <laughs> uh, so like, I was trying to go. I was trying to do sort of a metaphor for for that and sort of for what our generation took took out of that, which was like, our, our fathers seem to come to this conclusion. Like, I can't be a uh, I can't be a manly man who's like digging life and living on the edge and a rebel and also be a family man. Like I, I just can't do those two things. Like I have to choose between the two of them. Um, our, our grandfathers sort of didn't have that choice. They sort of saw the world as like a family is necessary. Um, but our father, and then therefore our fathers sort of split, split, split a lot of families because of that. They're like, I have to go and, you know, embrace the sexual revolution of myself and all that bullshit. This is not all fathers. This is just, uh, but, uh, and, and I want it to be like where, where Scott sort of says he kind of rejects that idea that you, you have to choose between work, which is, of course, stopping the war, and family, which is, of course, staying with family. And then, and then he, he decides, no, that's a false choice. And he's like, you can do both things. And you, 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 can, be, you can be a fucking manly-ass, badass man who embraces their love of art and, and their job and also be a super awesome dad and a super awesome husband. And so th- that was what I was trying to get at. Like, he, he can get... He can get Get up a little bit away from that pack. It's just trying to sort of look at masculinity a little differently. So that, yeah, that was always the idea that if he was faced with the same choice his father made, he would see through the choice instead of seeing it as a choice. Yeah, that's great. And I, but I love that 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 it wasn't like it wasn't on the nose where where when presented the choice, he immediately just said, "Fuck that." There's no way I'm giving my kid up, right? No, because that would be, but that would be more on the nose because that would be the obvious. Like you're, you're you're just obviously showing us well, he's different than his dad, but. I love that he contemplated it like more than Barta did. Like Barta was just kind of like, Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, you keep talking about it, but it ain't happening. Right. Like, you know, planning the party, right. The, for the day after. And he's, he's like, well, wait, we can't, I don't know if we can have the party because we may not even have the kid anymore. And she's just doing her thing, you know? And, and then, but, but ultimately, so I think it, it just felt more real to me in as much as a decision to hand over a child to, to stop an intergalactic war can be real. <laughs> but I mean, as a parent though, I, I, I appreciated that it, it, it would be a complex situation because um and you're right it, we 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 are constantly we meaning men of our era are constantly making that trade-off and it's an active ongoing thing and it moves back and forth between our careers and our families i i think it is the defining characteristic of what it means to be a man of our generation i think that is that is what that, to your point that is our generational uh you know is is that we are making the conscious choice and we all have a, we all choose a different part of that spectrum. There are still workaholic dads that are absentee. There are dads that are pretty much stay at home, full time dads now. You know, full time caretakers. And then a lot of us just work really hard to try and find that balance, and we don't always succeed at it. But it is a conscious decision to try and keep that balance. And uh, I love that that is one of the main undercurrents of this book, because I can't remember ever reading something like that in comics before. Yeah, I, I have. Scott was just like, yeah, my my dad was full of shit. Um, how dare he make this choice? I'm going to make the other choice. Like that would be so false. Like that's just not mm-hmm. what life is, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole point that he his whole life Scott has been haunted by that decision. And then at least at, at that point he could be he could have some empathy for his father, you know? Because mm-hmm. th- that's growing up too when you sort of realize you're like all the things you hated your parents for, you start to see them in yourself, you know? And you're like, oh, that's why they did those shitty things because they had these instincts I see in me, you know? And 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 you understand them, and you, you you start to forgive them a little bit. 
And so that was part of it too. But it, but then you have to take another step beyond mm-hmm. them, like, okay, how can I move beyond those instincts and how can I not do the damage they did? Yeah. I've, I've always said we are the best and worst of our parents. And as a result, we consciously fight to be similar or to push away all those traits. And, and, and in many cases, we're, we fail at that and we end up adopting some of the traits that we hate the most about them but because we can't help ourselves. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's what life is about. And that's what yeah. the miracle is about. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no, there's no resolution to it. It's an ongoing struggle. I, I didn't know I didn't know I needed this in my life until until I saw it. But I needed dark side to eat from a vegetable platter. I yes. needed this. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, he double, how he double dips that made me laugh. <laughs> like I, I know Mitch is digital these days, and that breaks my heart because I would love that page. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I have two Mitch pages that he drew by hand in my office. He drew, he drew one page for the Batman issue we did that didn't get published, and he drew another one for Sheriff. So I well, at least have two pages. Um, well, la-di-da. Yeah, fancy me. Good for you. Full the, uh, as, as much, as, as awesome as the, um, or as, as the heart-wrenching, or as emotional as um, giving up the sun might be, the, the, the part I keep going back to, in, especially in... Um, in issue 10 is uh is funky explaining to scott that genius jake is the one who provides all the imaginations man i i just i just write the words and i was just like this motherfucker i could not i it just you you had there's nine panels on a page and you and mitch used one to basically sum up the relationship between stan and jack and and i was just like it it's so it's as I, I get that you know you and Mitch are both fathers and 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 this is a very it comes across as a very uh personal story it's a labor of love for this you know if you want to say sealess character um but that you still are able to um get a little meta and just throw in these and I don't want to call them jabs because it's not like you know Stan's gonna read this and jump up and be offended but it it's just there are um I, I i i appreciate the the not so subtle punches you you you're throwing in it and and as as it's, it's not just a straightforward mr miracle story or, or or new gods or fourth world type of stuff it's just there's there's some other things that that you're adding to it that i think will make this so much i i'll be i'll be rereading this from time to time this won't just be an arc that that I have read and 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 will be on my shelf and all. Yeah, you know, I know the guy who wrote that, but th- th- this is th- there's enough going on in here between Mitch's art and and you are both doing together that that just make this. It, it's for me. It's just it's yet another DC Evergreen book, but it, it's there's. I appreciate everything from th- that's going on, and it not just this is a story between. Scott and and Darkseid and oh here's Barda and they have a kid and it's just so I it, it I did not know I didn't know what to expect when Mr. Miracle was announced and what you guys were planning on doing especially after what you had done with Division but what's been going on for for the past year has just been nothing short of amazing. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Stanley fanboy. That's like I I worship Stanley. I love him. My man. Uh, 
And probably more than Kirby in my book, although, you know, Kirby's obviously sort of the genius founder, you know, sort of cornerstone of all comics, it's medium that I make my life in. But I've met Stan a few times and he's like been super kind to me and cool. And, uh, and then, and I had to interview, I thought I'd have to interview him for a thing. So I spent like six months researching his whole life, reading every interview with him. And so I, I hope that but one, one of the things I wanted to do with that funky uh, flashback character was to was to redeem Stan a little bit <laughs> and sort of present his own because obviously yeah it's just like you said like like the genius of of early Marvel was Kirby's genius it was it was from his imagination and Stan's words but the genius of Stan was was as this pitch man as mm-hmm. this as this guy whose sort of generosity and vision about what comics could be became what comics are like nobody saw a world like we have now with comics in every movie theater and every tv show except stan lee for 30 years he kept preaching this and preaching this and he became this brilliant spokesman and 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 there's like heart behind that so i part of part of looking honestly at jack and stan's relationship is to acknowledge the truth of it and then also to say but stan's not a horrible human being Stan's right. done amazing things for comics so yeah, so it was, it, was, it was trying to do both. I don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad people noticed that because I was like, is anyone going to notice this? Oh, oh, for sure. Oh. I was like, this is this is for real nerds. This is some deep because I, I had in my notes. I literally had in my notes. I was like, because that's the epiphany moment of the twelve issue series, right? Like it's going to this point where Scott has to make this big decision, and here he is, and he has to make it, and so he has to sort of something has to come to him. It's like that moment in the. In a movie where they they hear the this, the song that reminds them of their true love or something, it's like they have to have that sort of epiphany moment. And I and I had their like Scott finds the meaning of life like basically in my outline. I was like, wow, what the fuck does that mean, Tom? I have to write what the fuck is the meaning of life. <laughs> I was like, how do I put that in a comic? And then I'm just doing it. And, and of course, this whole this whole thing is a tribute to Kirby. And I was like, well, Kirby's greatest story is the Galactus story. And if you read that, there's just, like some deep meanings of life stuff in it. And so I was like, why don't we just retell that story and have and have that story be the meaning of life and be about storytelling about Kirby, you know, about the stories that Kirby was able to tell and how he derived meaning of life from that. So that's where it all sort of came from. Now, did, did you draw? Did, did you draw the story to page, or did Mitch do? That? I'm not allowed to say, but yeah, I drew it. <laughs> I mean, considering how you you know your your, your works of art on the on the I sketch of the drawers. I am the worst. Yeah, that's pretty bad person. It was me. I had this great idea. I was like, that's the worst idea ever. It's like, no. Well, I have to be honest with you, too, to tell Mitch. Um, I've never been a, a huge fan of, of Barda. What I mean by that is I've, I've always enjoyed the character, but I've, I've always found her a little too zoftig for my taste. I never found her all that attractive. Did you ever read the Blahaha League, Jason? No. No. Oh. No, I know. I know. It's, it's, it's one of those moments i i own a bunch of it now in collected versions but i have not uh, okay. but but uh but regardless of that uh i've always thought the character is cool but but just figured she was a, a little bit too much of a big girl for me for my personal taste um but but uh, but mitch uh mitch makes her hella attractive i must say like she's she's sexy as what she's bad. The scrunch up as her face and everything yeah no you're right yeah um it, one of my personal favorites of the last few issues was the Taking a break from the negotiations to go pee and yes. and as they're peeing, you know he's telling he's telling Scott about the affair he had with Da Vinci and I'm like this is fucking crazy like I just thought like like where did that come from like we're like just like 
I mean, talk about the, the creative writing exercise where they ask you to just clear your mind and fill in what comes. And, and at some point you're thought, I'm going to work in that uh, he once had an affair with uh, Da Vinci into this equation. So that, that was one of the few times I was censored in my, my small comics career. Because that scene, if you thought, if you, the whole, all that dialogue plays over, a, like they spit into the, the pot and you, you file a little loogie falling down until it hits a. Oh, they were peeing on him? They were peeing on him, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And they made yeah. you take that out, huh? They made yeah. The I'll have to send you guys the pages, or they'll put it in the even, omnibus. Even though it's, even though it's uh, rated for mature readers, teen plus, uh, but that's they just, crazy. They just didn't want to see piss in the comic. Yeah, I guess they like batch batch long. Yes, piss. I guess water plays not. So a I was going to say somebody yeah. doesn't like the water sports. Yeah, yeah what's go up figure. That? Well, you know what? Let me jump in here because just in case I, I get before we lose on. you, right. Uh, it's been a while since Tom has been here. In the interim, he actually wrote a story featuring one of my all-time favorite characters. This is true. Yes. What I do. The Swamp Thing Winter Special. Oh. Yes. Yeah, that was good. I like it. Loved. Really it was pretty. It was very But I, I, I was wondering, was this story something you, ha- you had and they made use of it after Len Wein's passing? Or did you write the story in order to make the special more attractive to the modern reader because let's be honest the contemporary readers lend Wein, it's pro- the name is probably lost on on the you know the majority of of people buying comics now but which came first the the passing of well, Len so Wein or the story the the story came first but, well len was involved in so Len, Len was very nice to me when, when I saw him Batman, he sent me this note saying that he liked it and stuff. And, uh, and but, but um, so what happened was Len, Len was supposed to launch a Swamp Thing series. Um, and that's why Batman 23 is about Swamp Thing. That was supposed to launch out of Batman 23. And we were all organizing that together as working with Len. And then he got really sick. And so we had this way, this, this sort of script to go and, and eventually they're just like, just let it go. And Mitchell, and so Mitch ended up drawing it. And so that's how Batman 23 came about. And then we're sort of waiting for Len to, to get better to see what the next steps would be. Um, in the, in the interim, uh, Jason Fabok was working on the project he's currently working on, which is the three jokers project with Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, he was waiting for Jeff to do. Jeff was, you know, Jeff's involved in thirty-two TV projects, and he's writing fourteen films, and he's the busiest man in comics. And and Fabok and I worked together a little bit on Batman, and he he called me one one weekend because he and he's he's like Tom, I have a hole in my schedule. Can you write me a Swamp Thing story? He just wanted to draw Swamp Thing. That was it. And I was I was like. Yes, and so I, I contacted my editor, and he's like, "You don't have time in your schedule to do a thirty-eight page issue." I was, I was like, "Well, if I finish my script today, can I have? Can I do?" It was like, you know, I, I worked. I turned all my scripts on Friday. I was like, "This is on a Tuesday." So I was like, "If I finish it by Wednesday, can I have Thursday and Friday?" I was like, "If you can write a thirty-eight-page script in two days and, and get it to Fabog, you can do it." So that's how that got written. Was I had two days? Oh, wow! And I turned. I literally like put me, you know, my headphones on, put music, and I was like, "Don't bother me. I'm typing." And, and uh, and then I, I sent it to Fabok, and then, yeah, it was just it was Fabok's schedule. He said I need I need a script by Monday, and my editor said you have two days. And so that's how that's how it started. Wow. And then um, while we were doing that, Len passed, I and mean, nobody knew what it was going to be. No, it wasn't. It was like okay, we'll have a Fabok King Swamp Thing story. We don't know what to do with this. 
but you know that's all Jay, that's all Jay wanted to draw and Jay's a big enough artist that he can decide what he wants to draw basically. <laughs> um, Jay if you, he, he draws fast and he draws well but he's been doing this three jokers thing for a while if he drew regularly he would be one of the top three or four artists in comics he's that good yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, he also yeah. doesn't do commissions at cons <laughs> yeah, he does those headshots. Yeah, but but the story is heartbreaking. I mean, the kid's a walking yeah. metaphor. It's just it it's amazingly. Well, I don't want to give anything away for those who haven't read it, but it it's pretty damn bleak. Yeah, well, you know, Swamp Thing is supposed to be my my Swamp Thing or the one I look to was is the Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Obviously, I sort of worship Alan's right Moore's career. Alan, like I fucking know him, uh, <laughs> and so that that's that's. That's the swan, and, and there, there are a lot of issues of those that are pretty bleak. <laughs> so, and I'm not, I'm not a good horror guy. Horror is not my thing. It's just not my nerd. I didn't sort of grow up with um, all the tropes of that genre, mostly because when I was a kid, I was scared of it, so I kind of leaned away from it. And uh, so, so, so when someone says do a horror story, I'm like, what am I really afraid of? Like, like what scares the shit out of me? And of course, it's like a, a kid dying. And what's worse than that? Me killing a kid. So it became sort of about that. I was just like right. my, my own worst fear. And then, of course, there was a lot of stuff about Campbell being a terrible quarterback. <laughs> yes, that, that's why I said it. Because I got Campbell. Uh, I reread this for the episode. And then Batman 55 mentions Campbell again. So we can't get away from him. But uh, no, yeah, I, he's, I, he's, he's terrible. Why are you <laughs> starting that guy? <laughs> but I just wanted to give you a you know big hug because I thought this issue was great. And it's in the spirit of the Alan Moore stuff too because it's not it, it is about the monster of that is the swamp thing, but it's it's way more than that. It, it's about embracing who you are. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I just thought it was as multi-layered as what has come before, which is in the proud swamp thing tradition. And I I, I think the issue is great. Oh, this is the best conversation ever. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> but again, that's one of those issues where the artist really saves you. Giving Jason drew that so perfectly. It's, just it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, you have you, you are very good to giving credit, justifiable credit to your uh, illustrative uh, partners. But I have to say that uh, you also have um, a little bit of that remender touch, where you seemingly, either by your own volition or just dumb luck, have been partnered up with some amazing cartoonists throughout your career already. Dude, I wish I had Remender. Dude, Remender can find these guys on. He does. I, I have to say, I have to give him a little more credit than you in the sense <laughs> yeah. that he's, he has he has sourced many of his uh, of his own, but uh, but yeah, nonetheless, Remender came from inking, of course. So he has, course, has, yeah, has yeah. a better eye for it than I do mm. in terms of finding these guys. Yeah, I mean, if I have one superpower in life, it's sort of picturing how a comic book will look in script form and knowing and, and, and doing an artist with it. So I'm 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 good at. Hopefully, good at writing the right scripts for the right artists. So then, oh right, and that's so you've had um, uh, you've had a bunch of artists on on Batman Weeks has been absolutely amazing. You've had Tony Daniel a couple times, um, of course, um, Finch and Clay Man. Then, and then and then you get you end up right, Joel, and and then you get an issue with Matt Wagner. So how? How do you? Uh, I'm I'm guessing based on what you just said. So you sit down and, and you know who's going to be drawing that book. And and like um, uh, I am suicide. You had those fantastic double page spreads 
by Mikhail and, and, and especially as he's going through the island and, and, and Catwoman and Ventriloquist are going through through the uh, the underground and but then you get the you, you get more of a father son quiet issue drawn by Wagner and do you how much direction uh, Matt's been in the business for ever so how how do you approach the story do you do you just write the script and figure okay I, I have an idea on what someone like Wagner or Lee Weeks is going to do with it or or how how descriptive is your script when and and then when an artist says okay well then especially someone like Matt or Lee when they're saying you know I think maybe if we tried it this way I'm sure you're receptive to to but do you have a certain vision and and you're just like I know the artist is going to draw this so I want to write something that's to their strengths but I know what I want to see when it's when it's done yeah, I do full script. Uh, I mean, you ask a bigger question inside a smaller question, so I'll do smaller True. question first. So the, the Matt Wagner, I have some regrets about that. I feel like I could have done, sometimes with artists, I get it right off. Like, I feel with Leah, it's like, okay, I nailed it the first time. Sometimes the artists, it takes me a second to see what their strengths and weaknesses, not their strengths, but my strengths and weaknesses and writing for them, where I'm like, oh, I did that wrong, I can sort of adjust. Like, it took me a while with um, Joelle to sort of figure out, oh, I see what she does perfectly. Like, I need to lean into that. Um, or I can adjust my scripts to her, like that kind of thing. Uh, and I feel like if I had another Matt Wagner story, I would do it a little differently. But sort of like that script, just in terms of the outline of the story, as you, just to spoil Batman 55, Nightwing was going to have a tragedy. And I needed, to, I needed to have them be friends. I needed, I needed the happiness to come before the tragedy. So, that's sure. sort of, so that was a happy issue and sort of had to be what it was. And... And I knew Matt, I mean, of course, Matt Wagner can draw whatever he wants, and you can tell stories on, like, a, you know, a Darwin Cook type. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I gave him a full script, and he's, and it was, but my, my scripts are full, like, in the fact that it's, like, panel, here's how many panels are on the page, here's what's in each panel, that kind of script. But they're very sparse. So it'll be, like, you know, on Batman, comma, angry, you know? Or it's, it's not like Batman's smile is twitching in, in that way, and then here's 16-2 references, or no, they're very like sparse. You know, it's like uh, Batman, Dick sitting on a couch. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, so it gives a, it, it, it says what's in the picture, but it gives the the artist the room to be the art director and the director and get the angle right and all that shit. So okay, they, 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 there's a ton of room there. So it's somewhere between um, full and not. But if I had to do Wagner again, I would do something sort of because that was a sweet issue with sweet art. I would like I would I would do something where I gave him something like dirty and yucky with the sweet art. And contrast it and do like a horror kind of thing or some like have the sweet artwork against against its own grain um like for, for matt i read a bunch of grendel issues i went back and read grendel batman which is one of the best batman stories ever mm. and and, and I, I wish i could i want to dig into that side of him that sort of serial killer side of matt wagner that 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 that's what i would would have done if i could do it again but it wasn't appropriate for that moment in batman sadly right um but yeah i mean you, you have to you, you adjust i mean my, my script's pretty much stay the same in terms of the format I use. I stole my format from Jeff Johns, a little bit from Brian Azzarello, and a little bit from Mark Wade. Um, you, can, you can see them if you buy in these director's cut or the Vision hardcover. You'll see what it is. Nice plug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the best part about Batman 55 for me was the chum sequence. 
yes how, how you how yes! you reference that little word that we hear so many times in the the batman television show and the fact that robin is mm-hmm. brightly colored and used more often yes. than not as bait and then <laughs> you, you you draw the line between chum which is bait to attract yes. big fish and it's it was just so great <laughs> and dick's like f you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that part too. That, that was, was wonderful. One of those things you started running and you're just like, oh, I like this. this is good. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. There's some meta in there. Dick is harder to write than Batman because you do have to be funny. It's harder to be funny than it is to just be kind of grim and dirty. So I, I literally put that in the script. So there was a little bit of like, like my life is harder than you. I have to make jokes. And Batman's like, you know? Yeah. Um, Sometimes you, know you have to finesse the you... dick, right? You just. Yeah, bro. He's going to massage the dick. There's some horrible rumor that we're going to change Dick Grayson's name. That would be incredibly stupid. We are not going to do that. No. Yeah, I saw, no, a lot of people kind of be like, why are you changing Dick's name? I was like, he is Dick. He'll always be Dick. Yep. Yeah, DC no Universe kidding. needs a Dick. Yeah, that's right. Dick Cannon right there. I, I think depending on how beholden you are to a character, um, the way you read stories by, by uh, different creators, it, it really impacts it. So, for example, what I mean by that is that, um, as you as you may know, I, I didn't grow up reading Batman. I was pr- pretty much a, a Marvel kid through and through. So I don't have the same emotional attachment to Batman that many do, say, David and Vince do, maybe. Um, whereas there might be another character, a Marvel character, per se, where I, you know, I, I micro-judge every single thing that ever happens to this character and hate most of it because I think they get it wrong. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because for you, as I think back on this Batman run, um, the, the issues that stand out for me um, are are the ones where Batman isn't... is He's doing something that I perceive to be um, unusual relative to what we get in a typical Batman comic book, like the date issue, you know? Uh, in particular, or yeah. and and th- so those those things stand out to me, and I think part of it's because I don't have this deep thirty year geek obsession with. Well, that's how my Batman should be. So I wonder, um, you know, but but I was thinking about how those those moments are not necessarily they're one or two shots really within the broader series, and then I think about the success you've had doing these one shots whether it be the FUD issue or obviously you want an Eisner for a short story. Um, do you have a a preference or do you have a, a perspective on what's the more challenging thing? Because I could see the, there being a great challenge in having 10 to 30 pages to tell a complete story. On the other hand, to, to weave in 100 issues of something with a, with a broader narrative is, is, is also a, a, an immense challenge. So do you, do, uh, do, do you have a, a perspective as to which you find more challenging? Uh, first of all, I want to talk because I was a Marvel zombie too growing up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I mean, I, I read DC Comics, but I came to them later. I mean, like by later, like I did Marvel at seven, DC at ten, or something. But mm-hmm. it's, but somehow that made a big difference in my childhood. The fact that I came to one three years, before, yeah. but and uh, and I I always feel that I'm a bit of a Marvel writer stuck in a DC world a little bit because like DC Comics for me were were wonderful, but they were always just a little bit safe. In the fact that they were a little bit villain of the month, like right, like the, the, the care. Whereas Marvel comics, man, the heroes were always getting fucked up, and they were always getting married and divorced. And you know, X Men, you know, just like there's just like a thousand relationships going on, and then someone dies, and it's all it's very emo. Like that, those are the comics the group would love. And I feel like I try to take that Marvel energy and stuff it into DC. Um, so I'm glad, hopefully, you're seeing that. For uh, sure. 
as for what what I like to write, yeah, I mean, I I like to write. I mean, my favorite things to write are these twelve issue maxi series. In all honesty, like these Mister Miracles, these Visions, these Sheriff mm-hmm. of Babylon's. And now that Batman is sort of it, well, it is that now that I can see that it can, it can actually become that. And sort of, it, but in a hundred issue arc, now it's becoming even more fun to think of it that way. It's just like I'm a hundred issue maxi series rather than as sort of an ongoing Batman series as something with a beginning and a middle and an end. I can sort of see the arc of the character and it becomes easier. Um, I, I, I have a rule when I started Batman that I haven't violated yet, but I assume I, Lord knows that I will, but I haven't done it yet where I, I basically let the art dictate the length of the arcs. So the problem with double ship Batman is, um, you know, artists these days do between what? eight to ten issues a year, if that. And Double Ship, you know, we're coming out, uh, we're doing 24 issues a year. So that equation fucks you. And, and, and on Batman, unlike other, unlike other places, we need A-list artists. That means they're a little bit slower and, um, and a little bit harder to get because you can't just throw a random person on it. Has to be a, it has to be someone worthy of Batman, basically. And so because of all that equations... I, I, I see, okay, what, what artist is available and how long can they work? And that dictates the art. Because I hate comics where it's like, you know, one, one issue is one artist and the second issue is the same story but a different artist. It's it's like the Infinity Gauntlet thing. Infinity Gauntlet is like the best example. But even when George Perez switches to Ron Lynn, you're just like, eh, it's a little off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I vowed in my book, I was like, I'm, I'm never going to do that. Every artist gets their own arc, it's their own story. Um and 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 so that that that's how we've done that. And so in the beginning, I could do longer arcs because we just started out. So Finch could do a five, and Mikhail could do a five, and we did some fives and six. But now that we're sort of in the mix of it, and you know, we're really you know running, we're getting some of these sort of three issue arcs is what people can do. And so I'm getting used to them. First, that was really hard. I like the one issues and I like the six issues. I didn't like these three issue ones. But now now I'm getting into the groove, and now I can kind of see what a three issue is and how to how to do it, how to manipulate it. But yeah, like you, my, my favorite issues are, are the quiet ones. I love that thirty-seven or thirty, yeah, thirty-seven, which is the date issue. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn that! That was, that was my eleven o'clock for a single issue of the year. Oh, you fucking rock! That's yeah. the issue I get. People come up to me the most and say that that's their favorite issue. I get that all the time at cons, which is funny because it's funny for two reasons. Number one, Clay, I'm sure he'll tell you this. He did thirty-six, which I also love. Mm-hmm. He, he did that. I think he had like four months to do the three to two, the two issues. And he did the first one in three months <laughs> and then did the, did, did 37 in like three weeks. So like the, he, that one was super rushed and he didn't want to do it. I had to beg him. He's like, I'll never make it. I like, you could do it. Clay, I swear to God. And, uh, and number two, as soon as that was written, of course, editorial was like, never fucking do that again. You know? Yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, how dare you edit it? And, and, and people keep like, no, that's my favorite one. It sold a ton and sold out and all that shit. So sometimes editorials doesn't know what's good for them either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the quiet issues. I, li- I like uh, I like to put a little humor in now and then. Those are always very fun to write. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're both so novel we, uh, we, appro- we, They're both novel sorry. approaches to the character, which is why I, I use that word novel, because at this point, in, in at least speaking for myself, my reading of Batman, I'm Batmaned out. You know, and <laughs> no, I if if Frank Miller's going to touch the character, I will read it. But I'm reading and enjoying your run because it's it's you and it's excellent. But it's also a novel take on the character. We 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 don't see things we've seen millions of times before in this run. That's why it speaks to me. It's 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 wonderful. But 
you know, I, I didn't read the Azarello thing because Batman's a hard sell with me at this point. What what haven't we seen? Well, there's a lot of what we have we haven't seen in your run, but other than that, it's it, the the character is is tough it, it, because you uh, you said it yourself in, in a manner of speaking. Batman has a million stories told about him because it's both difficult and easy to do a Batman story. It's easy because it's a great character; it almost writes itself. But it's difficult because how do you present it in a light that hasn't been seen before? Right. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that that's exactly true. Like I, I remember Scott and I before this began getting super drunk and just trying to find like what hadn't been done in Batman before. And we're like, oh, Alfred becomes evil, and what's going on? That's done. Or uh, um, how about it? Maggie Thompson puts on the cowl. No, that was an issue too. <laughs> yeah, like you just come up with like, like every single like angle and story. Like Batman has a brother. No, Scott, you already gave him a brother. You know, it's like uh, it, it's it's hard. It, it is a genuine challenge to come up with new Batman stories, and that was really a struggle in the very beginning of the run. But that's sort of I don't know that that's that part of it's fallen away now that they sort of have a thread to follow. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just you 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 the the thing about Batman is there are so many cliches. So you turn the cliches into jokes. And then you write something new, um, and 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 that's that's the best way to make it work. I mean, like I did this KG Beast thing, and KG Beast is such a joke because he has that name KG Beast. But if you go back and look at the original Jim Starlin KG Beast, he's a scary motherfucker. He cuts off his yep. own he cuts off his own arm to escape, you know. So uh, and so I was, I was and, he, and he, but he looks so absurd. So I was like, let's just take the costume off. So he's still this scary motherfucker, and he's just a tough ass Russian. And Tony Jones like, yeah, that's awesome. So it's like that—that's the angle you come up with. You make you make fun of the cliches, and then you then you make it scary. Who's uh, who's I? Oh, I'm sure it was yours. When did when did you decide that? Um, and I I mean for me it, it, it's it's a geek out moment. I did, but the the return of the suit the black and gray with the the none of the piping or special Jim Lee-esque designs, but the the black bat on the gray outfit. When when were you? When did you decide that that was going to come back? Of course, the ironic thing about what you just said is that's the Hush costume. So that's still a Jim Lee designed costume. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. I just I, it's just pre New Fifty Two, but it's it's yes, but okay. Um, yes, no. Uh, well, to me, I. Like I have little children, or I used to have little children, and uh-huh. they read those. They read those board books, and so I, I used to be with with the, the Jose Garcia Lopez art in them, and like looking at the that Superman and that Batman, even though it's absurd that they're wearing tight, they're wearing their underwear on the outside. Somehow it fits. It, it works. It's connected to our childhood. And when you close your eyes and you have that platonic ideal of what Batman or Superman looks like, that's what you see. And so I always felt a little cognitive dissonance when I was looking at Batman and Superman and I wasn't seeing that. It was like there was always like a struggle in my mind. So I was always sort of pro going back to those original classic uniforms. And that, that combined with the fact that anytime I'm at a con and I ask, what's your favorite Batman story? Like, 80% of the people will tell me Hush is their favorite Batman story, and they'll all be wearing Jim wow, Lee. Wow, really? Yeah, that story is so popular. I like Hush. So I do. Or well, it's fine, but I, I viewed it more as a chance for Jim Lee to draw the entire Batman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's that, too. I think, yeah, I think that's, I mean, that, that, that story is really good, but people love it because of the Jim Lee art. And they're all wearing Jim Lee Hush t-shirts. They're all wearing that one vision of him sort of oh. from the sideways with the gargoyle and all that stuff. Like, that is, that image of the Jim Lee Batman from Hush is everywhere i was like why are we running away from the thing our audience most loves um 
And so, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, that's great. Unfortunately, they had just done the Superman trunk, which I was also pro. So they were like, okay, we can slip these. Now, I like the, the redesign, the costume that Capullo did for Rebirth was nice. But it always looked just a little bit not Batman. I want Batman to look like Batman. Yeah, the whole gray outfit. I mean, it's just it be a custodian. or It's, it's like you need – and I mean, it, I know Vince and I are pro Superman trunks. And, and I, Vince, unless I'm wrong, he also – looks at it from a design sense because i mean i think it breaks yep. up the blue you just yep. need something to and it, it yes it's but it's comics and and it doesn't matter yes you might not wear that in real life but you know when some dude's flying down to save the day because a helicopter's about to land on some kid yeah it, it's okay to kind of have that look to you so um i just i i mean when 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 he told alfred that you know i need i i I can't wear this, and 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 then Wagner draws it, and now I I thought I'm not I'm not the biggest Tony Daniel fan, but I I think uh, I, I I I enjoyed his Nightwing in this issue, uh, and I Batman may have been a little thinner at times, but I think uh, I, I think he pulls off the um, the look for that that costume pretty well as well, so um, I'm happy to see it back. So I'll just um, I'm reading it regardless, but I'm doubly so now that uh, he looks like Batman. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just what, what you were saying, like, I was, when we were making this decision, I was sitting at a table having dinner with, like, A-list artists, like, the, the, the guys that there are lines for at every con. And there was, like, you know, maybe, like, five or six of them around this table. And I, I literally was like, what do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, we just like drawing the trunks better because it it it, it, it breaks up the picture. It makes yeah. it easier to draw. And it makes it less pornographic because they never know what to do with this fucking crotch <laughs> and so it's like wow here are the here are the, the best artists in the entire comic industry all of them unanimous in this decision i was like why don't we do this um so right. yeah. dap um just a, a brief aside you need to look at tony daniel's damage because it's uh, it's awesome okay i will yeah. i know that i mean yes we, we've we've talked about that's I've I've checked out actually that one I haven't and the brimstone I have it but I will I'll for you I'll I'll check it out yeah he's not on it long mm-hmm. but you know you'll have that right but as far as the trunks go it just seems unfinished without it it not not so much yes. design but I mean in my mind there's two costumes you never ever screw with Superman's and Spider-Man's you you can't tweak either one of them without making them worse. Oh, you would not like the new Spider-Man game then? Yeah, Spider-Man's all over the. He's going to be in a new Red, White, and Blue oh. for a long time. Oh boy, I feel like. Well, well, you know the crux, as I mentioned, on the video game is to um, you can unlock twenty-two right. different costumes. That's cool, and he has had different costumes, but he always goes back to yeah. the the original, which is yeah. perfect okay. as it is. And that works. I, I say the same yeah. thing about Superman's. It's it's the perfect and costume. You, a total aside here, considering, <laughs> but but it is weird that because uh, I did finish the game this week, um, and this isn't much of a spoiler because the uh, the costumes have been publicized all over the internet. There is no all black pre Venom costume. Really? Well, yeah, that's, because that's ridiculous. I mean, they they have the spider, they have the iron iron spider costume, they have the 2099, they have um, punk rocks, but but they don't. The, for, it must have a license. Must be a licensing issue. Huh. Yeah, must feel like it's Yeah, yeah, but um, so we, you, had time, we, you had time to finish a game. Fuck you in your free time, right? No, I know it's well. I, as as that that's that I don't I do not have free time, but I um, 
the way that uh, the football thing works is basically right after the preseason's over, I get a little two to three week respite because I, I don't do anything for the regular season. And it seems like that has now turned into a, the way I mentally decompress is I play a video game once per year and play it to completion. So last year it was Final Fantasy, the latest one. Um, this year it was the Spider-Man book, uh, game. So, but it was a lot of fun, by the way, if you do at the time. It, it's not it's not that long of a game for as far as games go. So um, definitely for the time conscious, it's worth it. But uh, so we we as you know we have uh, patrons, loyal Patreon patrons, and they uh, we gave them a little. Pr- clue that you were going to come aboard and ask if they had any questions. And I must say, as I'm looking through them, a vast majority of them are already covered in the crux of our conversation, but um, I'm going to hit you with a few um, that uh, haven't been covered. Uh, Kevin Quas wants to know, will there be a time where you can or will choose to talk more about your time as a CIA agent? I uh- yeah, when I'm like 90, I don't know <laughs> when, you finally, when you finally get. I feel like I talk more and more about it as the years go on. Mm-hmm. It seems more and more absurd to hide 20 year old secrets or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's been, I left in 2009, so it's been 10 so years. 10 years, now. yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I would, I'll never talk about like the actual sure. thing that would hurt anybody, but I get, I get a little looser as I go on. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd love to. I mean, there's so many. There's so many stories I'd like, like to tell someday, but who knows? And and they inform your work. I mean, I'm sure they inform sheriff sheriff most most of all at this point, right? I mean, just not not so much again your role there, but just the understanding of the of making that 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 world realistic because you you were there for it, you saw it yourself. Oh, they've constantly informed. I mean, they informed Batman Fifty Five this week, uh, mm-hmm. where it was like I had this idea. I was like, okay, someone's going to get assassinate like how do you assassinate someone who works with batman and you're like well batman has the worst opsec operational security of any character every time there's a goddamn flash in the night you know exactly where he's gonna be he's gonna be on a rooftop it's the same same location every time that couldn't that's the dumbest way to you could just i was like that's so stupid and all you have to do to you you can trigger that flashlight by making a threat so you trigger you trigger the signal and there he appears in exactly the place you want him to be and then you can shoot him it's ridiculous um so yeah i mean that's that and that, that's my old CIA training, which is like never do the same, ne- never establish patterns like that. There you yeah. go. And yeah. he also asked a complete 180 here. Um, do you ever have a desire or plan to do a straight comedy book since humor is something you've worked with pretty effectively so far? I don't think my kind of humor would work. As, I mean, yeah, I do have a desire. I would, I, I would love to work on Mad Magazine. I grew up as a Mad Magazine guy, and my son loves Mad Magazine. He won't read comic books, but he reads Mad every month. <laughs> so, and I like, I've talked to the editor. I was like, hey, maybe I could do a little thing. So, yeah, I do have a desire to do that. But I do feel like humor, at least the funniest humor, derives from like making a joke in this like when people take it very seriously, and then you make a joke as opposed mm-hmm. to coming to it for humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know if I would excel at that but yeah I, I would love to do some mad magazine just to impress my kid nice um caleb alexander mckinsey who we just had on as a guest uh wants to know uh what since you have a penchant for what he's calling c or d list characters uh what c or d list heroes uh that you haven't had a chance to do much with do you uh most hope to uh have a run with in dc universe 
He doesn't specify. He doesn't specify. In the DC universe, I uh, I would love to do stuff with the, like the crazy space characters from the fifties, like Adam Strange and um, uh, the the cabbie, space cabbie, yes. and space museum, and I just the and uh, the atomic knights. Like all those strange adventures, weird fifty sci-fi characters. I'd love mm-hmm. to do something with those guys. Um, yeah, like that—that'd be the dream. But I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. It's honestly like it, it. What matters is you have the right artist and the right editor, and the character comes after those things. Sure. Like, like I'd, I'd rather pick like an artist that I'd love to work with. Like, I'd love to work with like um, Chris Sandy or something like that. Ooh, now we're talking. You just got Dap all sorts of excited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that—that—that's that, so, more important. So, two of our of our patrons, uh, John O'Neill and Mike Mike Delvecchio, asked uh, similar questions. I think, in the sense that um, they're coming to the same place, which is basically what uh, once Batman's wrapped up, and and obviously Mr. Miracles already wrapped up, at least as far as your your role in it, um, to whatever extent that you can without. And, Without whatever your embargo, but like conceptually, what do you have in your mind next? I mean, do you see another long ongoing run, like quickly to follow from Batman? Are you gonna? You kind of hinted earlier that you're gonna take a little bit more of a less, you know, less is more approach in in 2019 and beyond. So, so how how do you frame the next phase of the uh, Tom King comics career? Uh Again, I'm probably lying to you, so who knows what's going to happen after. But yeah, I, I would like to go to a more of a schedule where I do sort of more maxi series, more more things like Mister Miracle. Um, but who knows? I don't. I mean, I love comics. Like that's like my passion. Like when I look around my office, I don't have movie posters up. I have comic book posters up. I don't have TV shit. I have comic books. Um, when I want to relax, I read comic books. Um, so I can't see myself actually doing that but in theory that's what i would like to do to sort of pull back a little bit um, just because i i think i just gotta it's t- generating so many new ideas I, f- I fear that i'm gonna eventually run out of ideas i just w- when you're writing a script a week you're gonna eventually just start repeating yourself and i don't, I don't want to be uh, one of those guys who just writes the same thing over and over mm-hmm. so i just i just need to find a way to recharge and inspire i can't picture you ever running out of ideas but <laughs> but, uh, fair enough. That covers the questions. Like I said, there were a bunch of others, but but I think we pretty much covered the rest. So, all of you loyal patrons who were waiting for your question to be answered, hopefully you recognized your question was answered in the context of the conversation already. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast. It's one of the best podcasts in the world. You guys rock. Each more of you just sign up. <laughs> right on. So uh, so so, dude, you, <laughs> with this event, I was cracking up. They put you on a yacht at San Diego to. Oh my god! How it. weird was that? What was up with that? <laughs> Again, I am not in charge of marketing. <laughs> was but, that the yeah. CBR yacht? That I know, Comic Book Resources used to do that. Put everybody that, on a boat. That was the Warner yacht. That's like the yacht Ben Affleck oh, okay. was up in. Yeah, uh, yeah. They put Mitch Clay and I on a yacht. And, and then and Mitch and Clay were wearing masks and robes because um, in Sanctuary you wear a mask and a robe to sort of hide your identity if you want to stay anonymous. And uh, and I was and I had to give like a, I literally had to give an hour long speech a presentation uh, at nine in the morning on Friday at Comic Con. If you know anything about Comic Con, like nine in the morning is your least functional time of the day. 
but I hope it went well. I think it was a little depressing, but I think it went well. I made some jokes. <laughs> that, that's the, pro- the problem with Heroes in Crisis is there, there's no way to pitch it without it sounding depressing, but it's actually fun and exciting. But it, it deals with deep and sad issues, but the actual issues, but the actual issue itself is fun. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of like Mr. Miracle in that way. Like Mr. Miracle is about a guy recovering from suicide. That sounds horrible. Who wants to read that shit of that? But it's actually you read the book and it's about a war and it's about it's about funny and it's about a sex and a relationship. And and so hopefully Heroes of Crisis will be that too. At, at its core, it's about something sad. It's about the recovery from PTSD. But in the presentation, it's cool. Hopefully. <laughs> at San Diego, I pitched Heroes of Crisis so many times that the, the, the time I was finally like. Like at my own panel, and they're like pitch heroes in crisis. I was like, couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I just can't go to the sad. I can't uh-huh. go to the sad place. I can't talk about nervous breakdowns and and trauma anymore. I was like, it's just it's good drawn. Bye now, thanks. Uh, Seems yeah. like yesterday that I remember we were chatting you with you at a con, and you were just about to have I think your first meeting with DC to pitch. Oh, I'm sure I must have been. I think I was pitching for Batman. Um, because my first thing I, I wrote at DC was a Batman inventory issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, you were nervous as hell, too. You were nervous a- as AF. I'm <laughs> still nervous as hell. I'm still nervous when I pitch. I'm doing a, you know, Mitch and I are planning our next thing after Mr. Miracle because that's finishing up. Mm-hmm. And I have, to, I have to pitch that in New York. Uh, oh, nice. I'm in the fortunate position now that, you know, they'll probably accept it. But it's not, it's, it's, you know they'll accept it just because whatever, but uh, I'm still nervous about it. I'm still nervous about the idea. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, dude. But I remember that, dude. I, I you know, because I would go to cons, and you you do a whole con, four days of con, hand selling your book, so you could do five minute meeting with an editor. They'd be like, "Hey, are you going to New York this year?" And you'd always say yes, even if you weren't. Be like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm going. Fuck And you'd you know sleep, you know, you'd sleep under a uh, pool table if you had to, uh, right. and. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you, you you would get it done. Uh, I remember that. That that, that editor is no longer at um, DC. The editor I pitched to, Mike Marks, he's he runs AfterShock now. Right, AfterShock now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You were out of body because you were in. You were physically in front of us, but mentally you were a million miles away, and you could oh, yeah. just tell like you were you just was visualizing like, that room. I got to get this done. <laughs> well, you got to imagine like. Uh, People who want to write Batman, if you took a, like, who in the world wants to write Batman, and you put them all in a line, it'd be like 100,000 people, right? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, wow, I got this meeting. That means I'm like, you're not first in line, obviously, because Scott Snyder's first in line. But you're like, oh, I'm like 15th, which is pretty big percentage-wise in terms of 100,000 you know, 100, people are behind you. So that's a big position to be in. You want to take advantage of being in that line and being that close. Definitely. Right. But I think that's Uh, one of those be careful what you wish for scenarios because you're given the job of writing Batman. What the hell do you do? Right? I mean, you've solved (laughs) that problem. Admirable. Right. I mean, when when you started the book, right, I think we we and and I think many of your other friends, people that consider you a friend before you were, you know, a a cause celeb, um, I think there were conversations off air where we thought, man, it's awesome that our boy's getting a shot to write Batman, but he's getting a shot to write Batman. Like you're, you're the guy following an epic run, right? You, you were the guy that was following the guy and that can sometimes be tenuous. There are many 
many writers quote, <laughs> and Ascenti that are you know Stop. known as the person that followed an epic run. Right. And uh, I like Anasenti's death. Thank you. Will you please uh, tell him? Sure. Right, it's a great run. It's with J.R.J.R. Arman. Yeah. Yes, just, and he's wonderful. Yeah, I know. Typhoid Mary, it's all good. Listen, it's all good. Like Come on, Kung Fu. Living That's laser. Cool. Heart, yeah, it's all good. It's a great uh, run. It's just not in Miller. any event. The point is, critically, it's not considered in the same pantheon. So, so yeah, I think there were lots of your friends that were like, "Man, this is a great opportunity," but wow, like talk. Like you're not your now it's moot, right? It's fifty plus year fifty plus issues in, it's it's decidedly your own run and it's been well received. But 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 there was definitely some some friendly trepidation, I think, as you were starting it off, just in terms of how it would be perceived. Oh, dude, a hundred percent, man. I, I I feel like I should tell you I was calm, cool, and click. Also, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I just had no idea what it, what it's like to write Batman. You know, I, I, you know, so I, I killed Kyle Rayner in Omega Man, and I got like three people who were like, "Hey, man, I'm bummed you killed Kyle Rayner." <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's cold. I, I, uh, I don't have two people get married in Batman, and it's, it's, it's in the New York Times, and I have a bodyguard. It's like a totally different thing. Like I was not prepared for how, where I was going, uh, and probably it was probably a good thing. Right. Uh, what, um, let's talk about the convention scene for a second. Yes, my life is conventions. Because your life is conventions. I made a joke to you on Twitter about uh, how your kids don't recognize you anymore. Okay. Um, you do a lot of conventions, and yeah. without um, you know spilling your personal laundry, is it fair to say that um, it is an easier decision for you to do the calculus is there because the uh, economics for you to attend conventions is decidedly more in your favor now? I mean, that has to be part of it, right? Like it's worth your while. Financially, no. Actually, it's it's not worth my while financially. No, it's, it's still I still lose money at the Matic convention. I've Get always out lost of here! It. Wait a minute! <laughs> Wait a minute! I have to call shenanigans. How's that possible? Because I, um, if I write a script, mm-hmm. I make a lot more money from a script than I will at a convention. I make some money at a convention. I can lie to you, but the script will give me more. I see. Um, so you're saying you're saying just replacement value in terms of your time, not not re- your yeah, not not actual okay. in the red, but in terms yeah. of yeah, replacement value in terms of my time. Because long gone are the days of sleeping at an Airbnb under our pool table. You, you, I'm sure you are. I would imagine you don't attend cons anymore where DC or the con aren't handling your, your logistics, right? Yeah, no, I don't do that anymore. I mean, there was um, this. This company came, Comic Sketch Art, came along and sort of yes, changed. Yes, well aware of them. <laughs> yes. And, and they sort of changed the games in terms of writers going to cons. Indeed. And then they're, then they're still changing the games. Who knows where it'll go from here? Um, they're like the CAA of comics. Eventually they'll take over. Yeah. Uh, I think I was their second writer. Scott was, no, they had Frank. So Frank, Scott, and I were, were sort of the first. And I followed Scott. And uh, they, 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 turned, they made cons easy. Cons used to be hard. Where you have to take all your stuff, and you have to make the arrangements, and you have to you have to communicate with you know there, there's 52 different cons, you have 52 different points of contact, and it was just like a lot of logistics. And they now there's there's one point of logistics, it's one person, and he and basically it's like Tom, show up on this date, your table will be ready for you, you'll be ready to sign, there be you know it will handle everything, and you do that, and and so that's when cons became better. So it's just more fun. Like I don't have to, it's it's logistically easy. Because, mm. again, like, I have to get a script out a week. I write a script a week. And all my focus is on just making sure that I hit those deadlines. And I don't, I don't want my focus to ever shift from that. 
So if, if I can do, if I can reduce the time I spend on logistics, it's fine. So yeah, so then I end up doing more cons because it's easier. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, what, what do you want to ask you about the cons? I'm ready. I know all about cons. It's in my life. <laughs> I have many theories on them. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we go to a, a, a couple a year, right? Kind of, we hold court, and it's fun, and I think we know the con scene. But I have to say, I'm glad you, you came right out with it because, as a big, uh, as an avid rather art collector, um, I have been fascinated by the uh, change that you are a part of in terms of writers, um, and and I didn't think of it. Think about it from the term, from the perspective of the uh, logistics for you of it being easier. But I have been very focused on the the, the financial aspect because writers used to go to cons, and especially if you were set up in Artist Alley, you maybe had some of your books that you could sell right for full retail, which either you got comped or you bought at discount. But you you know there weren't a lot of ways for you to monetize your presence there. Um, now. You guys are, uh, I think, much more fairly treated. You you presumably get, at least at a lot of the larger cons, a, a minimum guarantee to appear, I would presume. And, and you get uh, fees to, to sign. And it's the, the – it's the uh, – it's it's the only thing I'm not sure about. And, and um, I, I say to – just like I say to my artist friends, you, you should – you should get all the monies while you can, right? Because who's to say <laughs> when this is going to end? But I do get a lot of, uh, especially on the art collecting side, as people that know me and, and, and ask me these questions, the idea of are we at a con bubble, you know, can this be sustainable? And I don't know the answer to that. Hell, none of us really know the answer to that. But I do know that the amount of money that creators are taking away from cons is at an all-time high. And I think that's great because, I mean, that, that's the way it should be. But I do wonder if there is a breaking point, right? And, and I think – and I'll just come to you with it directly. Um, I do think it is somewhat – strange to me that it's becoming a thing where both writers and artists are almost, and I'm not saying you're one of them, but won't or can't because the readers won't let them sign anything without being paid for it. And I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I don't, and by the way, I don't know your rule because I don't get stuff signed by you. So I don't know if you charge per signature or what, or what the deal is, but, but uh, to whatever extent you, your policy is, do, do you think that is, um, do you think that ultimately has any kind of negative backlash on, fandom or the industry so my rule that we do at my tables is it's two for free and then you have to pay for each copy after that i think that's great um and that that was a rule i had before i signed with an agent i think i did three back then so i guess it's changed a little bit but i mean the basic idea is if there's a line and i'm again blessed or fortunate like there's always a line for me now um if you come with the whole box of comics, you don't want to hold up the whole line. But if, if you're willing, to, you know, if you're willing to pay to have those box of comics, that's the high every city now. Yep. You, know, you can pay go faster. But that's, um, I know I'm talking to a stock guy. Huh. Uh, and um, so, so that that's how I do it. It's, it's too. So, so if, if you're going to a con and you just want the experience of meeting me and ta- and and talking to me and asking me some some question and, and you want, just want to chat. Um, and, and you want to get a, a like what, like I just lined up all my comics to get signed in Baltimore because mm-hmm. um, I want to get Tom Palmer's signature. I want to get um, Simonson's signature on some stuff. And uh, but I mean the the reason I do that is so I can have a conversation with them and then I can take away a little object to to remind me of that conversation. So when I look at it, I'd be like, oh, dude, I met Walt Simonson and there I have that my favorite comic ever that he wrote and he signed it and it's awesome. 
So you can do that without paying any money. So I like, but but if 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 you are the problem is 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 that the the um there are people trying to make money off of the signatures, um, and mostly from CGC, but not all from CGC, and they'll take advantage of any little gap they can make. You know, they're just like they're people who sell shit online. They're eBay people, and that's how this stuff started. Was that people were sort of doing? I mean, the, the person who runs comp. Sketcher was one of these people where he would wait in long lines and get as many signed and he'd sell them on eBay. And and so the, the thing is like if 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 you're doing a business and you're willing to to pay you're selling these comics for thirty bucks a pop, then I don't see why the person who created them and is doing the work to make them thirty dollars shouldn't get five five of those thirty dollars. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I I thank you for that. I think that that's the thing that um, that I think. You know, I used to say years ago when we go to cons that, uh, and I don't get signatures, so it doesn't affect me, but I'd just be observing, like we were talking to a creator, just saying hello to them, or if maybe they were doing some kind of art nearby, I would see these, like you said, these guys show up, and they'd have the, the suitcase full of comics, and sometimes it'd be like 30 copies of the same issue, and they'd ask, the, the, the creator would sit there and sign them very diligently, and I would ask the creators that we know, hey, dude, like... Isn't that annoying? And their 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 response was always, "Well, yeah, but they're a fan, and I, who am I to to?" to and I said, "Well, sure, but it, it's not like they're coming up with three of their favorite issues. They're coming up with thirty of the same issues, so they're going to sell those. They're going to flip them. So, meanwhile, you're holding up a line of of presumably other people that are big fans and making them wait. And they'd always say, "Well, what's the solution?" So, in a way, I think this kind of unlocked a solution. So, I think it, as long as it stays the thing where. You know, if a fan just comes up with a book, they get the signature for free. I think that's awesome. And then if it's someone that's clearly looking to monetize because they wanted CGC or a witness or whatever, yeah, man, then of course there should be. I think it makes sense to have the sharing. But it's just interesting. So it's good to know that the comic sketch guy and I, what's his name? Is it Doug? Is it what's what's Doug? His name? Doug Peters. Is yeah, Doug. Yeah, I, uh, it seems like that's good that Doug's doing it that way because because um, I, I think that that's that's the democratic way without completely removing the fandom from the process. So that's good. Yeah, and then there are people. I think Brian Brian Azzarello always charges for every signature. Of course, Neil Adams charges for every signature. Well, so Rob, I mean, yeah. Rob Liefeld's the king of it. I mean, I you know I'm friends with him, but he's he charges like eighty bucks for a signature now if it's a if it's one of the key Deadpool issues. So, I mean, look, get, get your money right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm a capitalist, so get your money. But I just I don't want to see it become a thing where fans come to a con and they 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 literally can't afford to to come away with 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 anything, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if I was to say, okay, I'll sign whatever for free, just in theory, like, I'll when I got to a con, there would be a line already there of people who got, who ordered VIP badges or snuck in with, and it would, mm-hmm. be, all, it would be all retailers. There'd be no fans in line. It'd be, it, would be, it would be people trying to make money off those signatures. Yeah. Now, now, God bless the retailers. They have to make, they have to get their own money too. But it would, if, if, if I had that policy, there wouldn't be any fans in line at all. Um, well, Dap knows it's funny. So, you know, Dap, remember our, Dap has always been. Dap has uh, more than more than Vince because Vince can't avoid the uh, the back issue bins. True. But Dap has often been my uh, my 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 aide de camp, my sergeant at arms, in my quest for different art. And uh, you know, we joked for years that that uh, from the very first uh, cons we went to, I had this quest to get a Jim Chung commission, and it was always an impossibility because before we did the show or before the show got popular, we didn't get the opportunity to get in early and that sort of thing, and. Uh, I would get there, you know, if the show opened at 10, I'd be there at 10.01 and the list would already be full. And then I quickly realized it was because of the retailers, right? The retailers and the dealers. And uh, now, now, real talk, 
we're at a point now in our in our in our position where I I benefit from that. I can get in early and, yeah. and sort of. So I'm not suggesting it's uh, you know, what, what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. But it is ironic because because um, Jim is now represented by Doug, and uh, and I'm coming away from New York Comic Con with with a Jim Chung commission ten years after first trying, thanks to your boy. So hat tip to him. Yeah, and also makes it like they have they like I don't have again. My problem is time. I got three kids and a job, and that's it. So like if you and want, if you're living in uh, Taiwan and you yeah. want a Tom King signature, there's actually a way to do that. You can contact these guys and they'll get the signature for you and they'll send it out to you. Yeah. So so it, it, it to me it, it helps, and I think it hopefully. It mm-hmm. And I also and now I do spotlight panels at every con, so you can always and my my spotlight panels are all Q and A, so you can come and ask me questions. So. Nice. And you know I'm on Twitter, so I, I feel I feel like I've made myself accessible enough, hopefully for the families. If not, just tell me, and I'll do whatever I can now. Absolutely. Yeah, see, so cons. Yeah, you could, What are the good cons? What are your favorite cons? Heroes. Uh, well, yeah, heroes is our favorite. <laughs> Damn, Vince. <it's> so <laughs> That's because you are your art guys. Heroes. Yeah. Is art con. Well. Yes, the, the art is, is a major part of it, but it's not just that it's an art con. It's that it's an art – it's a creator-centric con. It's an intimate con. Everybody stays at the same hotel where the con is across the street. Everybody hangs out at the same bar. So from a fan perspective, whether you're a quote-unquote insider or an editor or the creator or just a fan, you're hanging out together. There's no pretense. Nobody's – because of the nature of the con, every everybody's relaxed. So, you know, like for example, you, just, you know, as you know, we're friends with Scotty. Scotty, it's a big deal these days. But but he'll just be sitting at the at the bar having drinks because it's just a relaxed. So if a fan that's dying to meet him or dying to meet Jason Aaron or whoever's there, you can literally just go up and shake his hand and say, "Hey, I love your stuff," without it being any kind of to do. And I know there are other smaller cons that are like that, but I, I think that you combine that with the goodwill that, that Shelton has built and the amazing uh, art artists that he does attract for that size of a show. It's, it's, it's easily our, our favorite, I think. But, uh, but uh, I mean, New York's our home show. So, um, but New York always feels like a, a work, a workout. Like we, we, we love it because we get to see each other and we get to meet, meet a bunch of, of, of people from the EOC community and we get to uh, see a million creators that we don't get to see often. But at the end of the day, by by Sunday of, of New York Comic Con, we're we're exhausted. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 a thing. It's a thing, right? It's 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 impossible to move around and that sort of stuff. But uh, I mean, and then C two E two is the, you know we we do C two E two quite often because in a lot of ways that was part of the germination. Chicago will always be part of the germination of this crazy thing that we have now because. Dapp and Vince and Chris all met at a Wizard World show. Um, we'll spend a lot of time together, I should say, at a Wizard World show that was the impetus for bullpen bulletins, which in turn became EOC. So we've always had a very special place in our heart for Chicago. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, I, in New, that's how I feel about New York. It's like where I started. But the problem here is there is no common bar. It's like the opposite no, of Europe. Right, yeah. exactly. There's yeah. just like every night you have to figure out what you're where you're going that night in order to be social. Yeah, the, the, that's probably my least favorite thing about New York now is that um, the, the, the like the people like yourself or other creators that we would, would legit want to hang out with, totally understandably, you you likely have obligations, right? Like you, you probably are every night doing something either with 
the DO or with industry or with the retailers, and yeah. as well you should. But I'm saying so there's no like chance just to go grab a bite and have some, some drinks um, unless we like would all agree to meet up at a you know an industry party or something. So that that's the New York is effectively like San Diego now, at least as far as we by reputation, and that it's 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 a business show for you guys. It is. I, I agree with that, Ben. New, New York is a you have to spend time with the bosses, face time with the bosses kind of show. So, yeah. which is what San Diego is too. This year, though, that's really shitty schedule because Baltimore is the weekend before New York. Yeah. And then for creators, New York now starts Wednesday morning. So, like, we're gonna do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Baltimore, Monday, Tuesday, home, and then Wednesday morning, New York. So, uh, my wife's gonna be upset. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife never. Um, I mean, not that I've. I probably know the answer to this because we haven't seen her, but does she ever come to cons with you? Like, would she go to Awesome Con at least or whatever? Or? Yeah, she came. She she brought the kids to the North Carolina Con. Uh, okay. Right next uh, that's the, the reason we were down there because her sister-in-law lives there. Uh, and we, she went to Boston this year. Uh, my, my wife and my kids can stand a con floor for about an hour. That's, that's sort of their mm-hmm. level of tolerance for that much noise and chaos. Like to us, it's it's we've gotten used to it. To people who like are, are entering for the first time, they're like, "Oh my god, what is all this?" Uh, but uh, yeah, she she's she's the kids are starting to come, and the kids are getting old enough. Like they can sit there and do a signing with me, and, and that's always fun. You know, hear someone talking nice about their dad, and they're like, "What this fucker? No, <laughs> yeah." Um, so. It's good, but we just turned down France. They're going to fly us out to France. Wow. Why? You, you turned Why? it down? Yeah, I'm turning down stuff. I, I got too busy this year. I did 14 cons or 15, something like that. Man. And it was too much. So next year I'm going to do less. I'm going to do less cons. Just because I, I uh, miss my kids. That's fine. No other reason than that. Yeah, I know. And then I stay with them, and they they, they just like me immensely. So no, there's never really no benefit for us. <laughs> they probably like me better when I'm away. Well, one of the things we have been uh, there, there is some stability to New York because um, the past couple of years we have made a point of spending time with your old crew, Kazeki yeah. and, and Gil and, and Daryl. Like we always manage to at least spend one or two nights with those guys. So that's the constant with us with New York, but that's the only constant really. So for well, my. My whole career started, or my everything started at New York Comic Con, the iFanboy party. You guys read that? The iFanboy mm. party back in yep. 2012 or something? Yep. Where uh, uh, the, uh, the Wicked and Divine guys were spinning tunes? Yes, where the Wicked and Divine guys were spinning yeah. tunes. And yeah. Ron. And, yeah. And yeah. Joe Casada yeah. mm-hmm. showed up there, and Jason Aaron. Where we met Roland, actually. That's our buddy. That's yeah, yeah. Roland. Yeah. That's, I met Roland. And Alan, New Mutant. Yeah. And Alan, yeah, everyone. That's that's what's. My sort of comic career started that night. I was like, that was literally the first time, like, uh, I almost came out as it's the wrong metaphor, but like, it was the first time <laughs> where I, because I had I grown up very ashamed of my comic bookness. Sure, that was our, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't talk to people about. It. I had like one friend who knew I was a couple. Like with the time I hit high school, like I didn't tell any of my friends I was. Oh, same, same, yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you live your life and whatever. And then I came, like a lot of my generation, I came back into comics in the early 2000s. And then, but I, so that I had never sort of talked in my life because I came up before the internet. 
I had never talked to anyone who could talk comics on the level that I could talk comics. Like I talk, oh, I, you like comic books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman and uh, X Men, they're good, right? You know, like they were like, no, they're separate companies, you fucker. Like, um, <laughs> uh, like and then that that comic part where I literally like, sat down and I met Daryl and Chris and you guys, and we just started talking about comics. And that it was like it was like, oh, these are my people. These are nerds. And yeah, that's a changed my life. So my New York comic. Oh, that's awesome. I remember two things about that party. Um, one, I it, the I think this was the last time I had an awkward fanboy moment, which was Jason Aaron was just sitting at the bar, and I went up and said something super awkward about how, like uh, Chris Farley asked, "I really love that book that you do," type of thing, um, and he was very polite and shook my hand and then turned back away. And I I still remember that like it was yesterday. I'm sure he has no memory of it because it happens to him a lot. But I, I hated that how I handled that. Uh, and two, if I'm not mistaken, my brothers hated how loud it was there and were yeah. desperate to, uh, to 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 move elsewhere, if I'm not mistaken. I remember I was very fanboy out about your former partner, um, Chris Neelan. Because uh, I, I, I was a huge Around Comics fan. That was my big nerd. And I remember I said something that made him laugh. I was like, oh, my God, I made him laugh. I'm the greatest person of all time. Um, so that's that was where my mindset was at that point. You've come a long way. Seriously. I can remember the comment. That's how much I can remember. He he was going on about how. Of course he was. If yeah, he was. <laughs> Sounds about right. I'm, I'm so sure. Far, so good. I'm 100 percent sure it was Greg Rucker related. <laughs> was, I'm stunned. Right. <laughs> it was. It was. It was something about like. If you love comics, you can't just love superhero comics. It was like, like you have to love all. And I, I was, I was like, yeah, that's true. But if you love all comics, then you have to have some love for superhero comics. This was like some like twist in his words, like that might be true, man. He was, you know, taking swigs from something. I was like, oh, he acknowledged me. <laughs> wow, you truly do have a perfect memory for what Neesman's like. <laughs> that is spot on, right there, my friend. Well, when you sleep with a guy, you get to know him, you know. So yeah, no, no, that. It was his lips. That's all. <laughs> that's funny. Nice. So other than, so is New York the last con that uh, our listeners will be able to see you at this year? Baltimore, New York, and that's it. And then I don't know my schedule for next year. I haven't lined it up yet. I know I'm doing, um, I mean, I'm doing the big one. So I'll be, I'll be doing San Diego and uh, New York and WonderCon. So I know those three I'll do. Right. And but in Baltimore, I do Baltimore Rio as my home con and awesome con. Oh, see, I already, I already do five cons. I've already lined up. This is me taking. Business. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be around. Come see me. Come right get, any, get two any, free signatures. Anything we didn't cover uh, that that uh, probably not because it would be already publicized. So everything else is still under embargo, I presume. No, uh, Heroes in Crisis is next week. Let me know what you think. Nice. Oh, we will. Next week. Oh my god. I just right, said, I had a big week this week with two comics. I had another one coming next week. I gotta relax. Can't wait to see who you kill off next week. <laughs> There's some deaths. Well, uh, with your clout at DC, could you do me a favor? One, Any, one little, little tiny favor. Anything for you? Try and bring Plop back, please. Oh, love, <laughs> that's what you asked for. <laughs> I love Plop. See? I'm into it. Jason yeah. laughs, but. You know, us old timers, we love that book, and I would it would be great. Sergio is still kicking; he's doing great stuff. You can get Sergio back, and get you know, it would work. I'm telling you, we need Plop back. You can make it happen. 
They can't make Mad work. What chances they can make Plop work? Uh, all right, I'll see what I can do. I love it. I'm into it. Yeah. All right. When I was a kid, I used to read this shit up. Yeah, me too. Oh, hey, everybody. Everything we talked about here and even more is available at where? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. I'm going to mention them one more time. From Albatross Funny Books, it's Grumble number one for $2.19. That's 45% off. Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, Middle West number one, $1.99. And the huge honkin' Savage Sword. Of Conan, hardcover, original Marvel Years Omnibus Volume 1, you pay by the word for the title, is $50. That's half off. Are we doing a, a legit in your travels this episode? Why does not? Does the guest have one? Well, I'm sure he does. Okay. In your travels, I would like you to read. It is written by Godin with art by Urgell. And colors by Folney. Apparently no one that worked on this book has a first name. It is it is from Titan Comics under their static press imprint. It's called Dead Life. And it is yet another in a long, long string of zombie uh, melodramas. But in this case, it has something to do with a chalice. And at the end of the first issue, we don't know exactly, but um, mom and dad are having a problem. Their marriage is on the rocks. Dad is middle-aged and thinks he's a player, and he's making eyes at the uh, woman in the floral shop. Mom really hates dad's parents. They're just not getting along. And they went on a, a little retreat together to try and rekindle their marriage, and they leave their son with the grandparents. Unfortunately, Grandpa has a huge collection of stuff, and he made explicit. Um, he made it explicit to the child, do not touch my shit. Well, the child happened to notice this beautiful chalice, and he wanted to play Indiana Jones with the neighbor's kid, and he took the chalice, and all hell breaks loose. People turn it into zombies. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing that this first issue illustrates very well is just how fragile the nuclear family is in a post-apocalyptic uh, scenario um mom dies the son dies dad's father dies and it just leaves dad alone to fend for himself in this this uh very disturbing world it's european it's one of those um comics that uh, titan has brought into uh their static press imprint and translated so uh, it's very European. Let's just say that it's gruesome and brutal and bloody as hell, and um, many many page, uh, panels per page. I think it's great, but it remains to be seen where this is going to go. Uh, Dap may shy away because in the first issue, two animals are killed, but they're they they're zombified animals, so you got to kill them, or you're going to get killed yourself, right? Um, there's a lot of red ink in this first issue. <laughs> a lot of red ink so um godine ergel dead life static press mike norton did a variant cover for the first issue it's really cool uh check it out extra sized issues too they're 5.99 each but they're i think 64 pages an issue and it's a mini series so it's you're not in for a long haul check it out dead life dead life 
Yeah. Mike Norton did it. Did um, uh, Mr. Miracle uh, a little special that's going to appear in the trade for Mr. Miracle. Nice. But it's so, going to be a trade, not a hardcover? It better be a hardcover. I'm going to kill somebody if it's not. Well, wait a minute. I mean, I just, I just uh, speaking of TCBS, I got an, an alert today that uh, my order for the Mr. Miracle trade was canceled and will be resolicited in the future. Oh, really? I didn't get one. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's good. Maybe usually that means they're going to pack extra stuff into it. Yes. Uh, my re- resolicited a month later, but the last I heard is they wanted the reason they were making a trade because they wanted to get it out by November for some awards show stuff. If because like it was, it would be eligible for some awards if it got out in November. So Here you go. The, hi, the following item has been canceled, and it's uh, Mister Miracle trade paperback. August 18, 0636, and Reason will be offered again in the October 2018 previews. In, a, in hardcover format. <laughs> well, that's not that part. Not HC, but okay. No, it's HC. It is. Good Let us hope so. Yep. Uh, my new travels will depend on whether or not Vince has read Dick Tracy Dead or Alive. I did. Okay. Yes, did I? Oh, wow. Oh, how was it? I you know what? Then we're going to. Uh, well. Damn, then I I would love for all of us to talk about it next week then. but Yeah, I'm going to put um, my Karnak hat okay. on and say two of us loved it and one of us probably hated it. <laughs> you are spot on, my friend. Yes, yes, I knew that. I knew that. So so to answer your question, Tom, it was great. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> so my In Your Travels is um, a uh, – it, it, was, it was nice to read a, a good um, – Amazing Spider-Man story. Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number One by Saladin Ahmed uh, and Gary Brown uh, with uh, Lilo oh, Rich nice. on colors. This was um, this is a it's a tale of um, well of yesterday. Basically, this is the story of Spider-Man coming back from Battle World. And the events take place right before um, he finally makes it to see Reed so Reed can extract the suit from Peter. Uh, So we get um, the story is basically told from the perspective of the suit and how the suit is so very happy and is... um, is is loved again um it found a friend when spidey um freed it freed us uh it joined with us now we live with the friend he's getting to know us um we care for him soon our bond will be complete and we will be joined with the friend joined forever and uh it's at the time in in uh, spider-man's life where he was pretty much hanging out with black cat 24 seven. Um, but Peter is, Peter is sleeping a lot. He doesn't know why he's got insomnia, but he sleeps for hours. And it's because the suit basically, um, basically Spider-Man is sleepwalking or sleep swinging. He, the suit moves over from the chair to the bed, takes over Peter and then they go out swinging and, and, and Spider-Man is um, a little bit more extreme than usual when he's uh, 
thwarting or stopping any burglaries or mugging. He he goes a little overboard um, with the uh, with the assault and 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 taking down the uh, ne'er do wells. But I I think um, I think Brown's art works well to, to tell this story. That it's not the clean Ron Friends um, type art that. Uh, or Rich Buckley type stuff you saw back in the day when, when these issues were, were uh, telling new stories, but it, um, it helps get the, the violent aspect of it uh, across. Um, Ahmed's story is, is, is pretty cool. Cause I mean, I, I enjoyed his black bolt. Uh, the, um, there isn't a lot of Peter here. There's just, um, you can read Batman Dan for that, but there's basically just the, <laughs> um, it, it's it's based it, it's it's a lot of Spider-Man in the black suit uh, with the uh, the symbiote basically doing thinking it's doing what uh, what Peter would be doing. Um, he just unfortunately the the alien, um, like I said, go, goes overboard a bit. But he meets a uh, a young kid who he saves. Um, and the kid basically lets him know, you know, what it what it what it means to be a hero, and maybe you know, ease up on the pummeling dudes to near death, uh, but but focus more on on saving old dudes like we just did from that fire. So uh, I, I think it um, it it also ended on, on a little bit of um, kind of sad. It because as, as it ends is it, it ends with uh, with Spider Man visiting Reed and um, the suit realizes that that Reed has found out that it, it it's possibly parasitic so you should remove it immediately and that's when the suit starts to um, really bond itself can't Peter can't remove it and that's when Reed hits it with the sonics and and uh, and puts it in his um, its little prison more or less uh but and we end with the uh this is basically saying that um you know so he the, the friend hates us now the friend thinks he is done with us but we are not done with him and then dot 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 so i thought it was a um it was it, i, I like that the annual it, it didn't tie into anything that uh that spencer's doing or in it doesn't tie into anything that, that even slot was doing uh it's just it it felt like an annual from back in the day um whether they were inventory stories or or what have you but this was just a uh it this really was a story that that could have been told any time since uh secret war so um i i I dug it a lot and it was i was happy to to read an amazing um for the first time in, in in a little while right on uh, in your travels, not that uh, his head needs any more inflation, but I got to shout out Mr. Ryan Stegman uh, <laughs> and his writing partner Donnie Cates on Venom number six. He's Look, killing it. So yep, I, I have I have uh, rarely been accused of being a Venom fan. Uh, I mean, I don't dislike the character, but I was never much for his his individual comics. Uh, this has been terrific, and issue number six is the culmination of their first arc. And it pays off, and it it is the purest homage to '90s McFarlane comics that we've gotten in a long time. 
Uh, Vince, I don't know if you're reading Venom on the regular, but you need to catch up because Stegman is in full McFarlane homage in this in this book, um, and it's incredible. It is it is th- this arc has been about um, about the the uh, the god named Null K N U L L, the god and, and creator of the symbiotes, um, being unearthed quite literally, and he he. <laughs> He's the god that created the symbiotes, but he also happens to be at the center of a gigantic symbiote dragon that is known as Grendel. And this is the culmination of the of the arc where Null and Grendel come to do battle with uh, with Venom because he is harboring the last remaining piece of Grendel from when uh, when the U.S. military had taken pieces of him um, back in the day to create super soldiers. And so it's, it's venom versus a gigantic symbiote dragon and the symbiote God uh, in succession, like any great video game culmination. It's like you beat the boss. You think you fought won the game. You realize that he was just the underboss and now you got to beat the real big boss. Um, so it's a, it's just a visual spectacle, man. They, they had so much fun with this and it's just over the top, and it is ridiculous, as Vince is often wants to say, it's comic should be ridiculous. There is a panel in this book, or I should say a splash page in this book, that is to die for of Venom suiting up to do battle. So picture, uh, and it makes so much sense, I don't know why anyone's ever thought of this before, but basically the person that's working with Venom to get ready for this battle has been accumulating lots of anti-symbiote weapons for decades, and what does Venom do? Well, he straps them all to his body. But since he's a symbiote, he literally straps them and fuses them into his body. So it's a gigantic Venom weapon gestalt. And uh, it's just badass. It's just 90s ridiculousness in, in all of its purity. So I loved it. I loved it. And Stegman is one of the best in the business these days at incorporating sound effects into his artwork. Uh, and he does not let us down uh, with this issue in that regard either. So... Huge, huge tip of the cap to uh, going out in style on uh, the first arc because they've been getting a ton of, of, of positive pub for it. Um, but uh, I think it was well deserved, and they they definitely they definitely stuck the landing. Massive cliffhanger in the last page. Massive. Yeah, I agree. That's, I, was, I love that Venom series. Love it. Do you have an in your travels that you'd like to uh, share? I'm gonna share in. Old one, just so I don't offend any friends. Like a chicken shit that I am. Because <laughs> I read something yesterday that blew my mind, so I'll just share it. And it's four pages long, and I'm sure it's free online if you want to read it, because it's from 1960-something or other. But uh, Alex Toth, that a four- Toth, Toth, Toth? Um, Alex Toth, who I'm getting into my later age, like I kind of ignored him because he was a DC artist when I was smart. But... Um, and he's slowly, he's slowly becoming my favorite artist of all time. Um, and he did a four-page story in our Army of War 241 called Dirty Job. And it's one, some of the best comics I've ever read, and it's definitely the best four-page story I've ever read in my life. And uh, and all it is, it's, it's, it, and it's three pages of, like, these Roman centurions, and they're, um, they're talking about how they have sort of finished a dirty job that day, and, and there's three of them, and one guy feels guilty. He's like, oh, it was a bad day. And the guy's like, this is awesome. You're doing great. And the other guy's kind of trying to navigate between the two of them. And he's like, why do you feel guilty? You know, they're, they're in this Rome. And, then, and, and it becomes clear they're, they're in a colonial part of Rome. They're not in Rome itself. And they talk about how they, they wish they're in Rome. They're in this, and they just feel like everything here is 
horrible. And like the barmaid comes by and the guy, you know, like pulls her aside and, and like salts her and throws her away. And you see that, that there's just, there's, there's, and you see there's more and more depravity or depravity around them and they're getting sadder and sadder. And as the story goes, goes on and, and, you know, it's like, should we embrace this depravity? It's wonderful. Sort of we're out of Rome. We're free and we can be who we want to be. Or should we try to be sort of civilized and be friendly to each other? And they're having this sort of debate. And the end, they're like, no, we just got to do the job that's in front of us. And then they reveal that the dirty job they had done that day was they crucified Jesus. And that's the, so, yeah. the, so the, the last splash is, is there's a splash and it shows Jesus on the cross. And that was sort of the dirty job that they had accomplished that day. And so the whole thing is this sort of metaphor for, you know, this, this idea of like, what would life be like, you know, without, um, Sort of, sort of the the civilizing factors of sort of the, that 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 come with the um, with love or whatever you want to call it some sort of uh, greater power or, and 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 or or maybe it's better with the chaos. So There's this whole fight between chaos and order and everything. It's done in four pages and it's the most beautiful art you've ever seen in your life. And I was literally blown away where my jaw dropped. You see, I read old comics, you kind of appreciate them just because you're like, oh wow, it's kind of. The art's usually beautiful, but the words don't really work anymore. But this is something where I was like, this, I, if I had written this today, I would be incredibly proud. And if, if, if this came out today, it would win every single award. It's like still as modern as it was 50 years ago or whatever. Yeah. So it's, that's it. Yeah, so it's a short, short one. I co-signed that. It's a great story. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I was blown away. There you right. go. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us once again, Tom. We love you so much. You guys are the best. I love your podcast, and I love what you've done for all these years for comics. I think you bring in, you brought in more new readers than almost anyone else, and you guys are a blessing to the mediums. Thanks, guys. Oh, look at you. Oh, thank you. And uh, we apologize for the, uh, the the audio issues we had. Uh, well. It happens, and, and, and we're sorry. So uh, if you want to hear more of this or interact with us in any way, we're all over the place. We're on the Twitters. We're on the Facebook. We have a group on the Facebook. You can look at our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash 110COMICS. Go out and uh, buy Tom's books, but you probably don't need to be prompted to do that. You're buying them already. And in the meantime, what? Say goodnight. David. Night. David. Nice. <laughs> and the Browns win. Oh. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, stop. Baker Mayfield came in and brought them down from 14 zip to win 21 to 14. Oh, boy. 21 to 17. Sorry. 21 to 17. That's good on you, Baker Mayfield. Welcome yeah. to the NFL. Yeah. Pour one out for our good friend Dick. Yep. Not really. But a couple of different bat dicks were in were uh smurfs this week. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> there you go. We're like twelve years old, you know. Uh, at least we know that Bruce hangs to the right now. That's right. Of course he's circumcised. But you do know Well, of course he's circumcised. I mean anyone anyone that age would have been circumcised. Right. Yeah. His dad's a doctor too, so his mother's Jewish, it's canon. But you wait, have to... no, no, no. Wait, wait. What? Bruce's <laughs> mother's Jewish. Yeah, but that yeah. would make him Jewish. Well, if yeah, but it's, I don't. That's not nothing's automatic in this world. It's what you believe, right? Ah, right. uh, it's pretty unheard of, though, especially 
I mean, it's pretty unheard of for. And my mom converted for, to marry my dad, so there. No, but I'm saying, but Thomas Wayne isn't Jew. I'm saying if if his mom was Jewish, it almost surely would mean he would be raised Jewish. Well, I, I, I my mother's Jewish and my father's Christian, and I was raised with sort of neither religion. Well, that's because they were secular, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was raised by Alfred. Yeah, he was raised by Alfred. That's well, I haven't, I haven't gone to church in oh. about 53. Jesus. I thought David said he was raped by Alfred. I'm like, oh, what? Shit. I'm not heard of That's a different yeah, black lady. That didn't happen. No. That's Erase that. Yes, it's blasphemy. But you got to know, or at least assume that Superman is the biggest in the DC universe, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be? Oh, nice. super. I am not part of this conversation. Anyone who's listening. <laughs> No, dude, it'd be like someone like Lobo or something. No, oh. come on. No, Lobo has a tiny dick. It'd be an alien. Yeah, well, Lobo's no, overcompensating. Lobo's compensating for something, yeah. It's probably like Ollie or something. Like somebody you didn't even think. It's Mr. Mix's yeah. Pitlick. Oh. Plastic Man. <laughs> yep. yep, Plastic Man. There you go. Or Elongated Man if he wasn't dead. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. true. It would probably be Plaz. Yeah. Plaz. Plaz wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. There you go, Jeff. There's a future terrific storyline. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks for being here with us. Thank you big time to Tom King. And we'll be back next time. And make sure you, you get in Tom's line at New York Comic Con before you say hi to us. Yeah. You're going to have to wait a long time to see him. Or you can say hi to us in his line. So you pick. We're not going to be in the line, though, so that yeah. probably wouldn't work. Maybe you. And, we love you, uh, Tom, but we don't wait. When am I going to wait in line for you? If wow. if you uh, if you don't have it, if you want to play along with our book of the month, pick up Uzumaki. Yes, oh, yes, that's right. You can go down the list. Well, do we really have to go down the list now. The winner of the book of no. the month, as determined by our beautiful Patreon supporters, is Junji Ito's Uzumaki. It's going to get one vote. It's going to yep. get weird. It's going to get real weird. I did a search. Do you know how many times you've talked about Uzumaki on the show, Vince? Many. Many is right. I found at least five episodes where it's in the credits. Yep. It's a great book. Can't wait. There are have, I actually have a physical copy of it. So. Yeah, there's spirals everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you'll know you'll see them. So, yeah, come back next time. And once again, big, big, big heart thump and love to Mr. Tom King. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You guys rock. Say goodnight, Tom. Good night, Tom. Good night, Tom. <laughs>